in brightest day, in blackest night, all other podcasts tremble in fright. On the Muppet Show tonight. <laughs> hey, hey, everybody! I'm Chad Volkelman. I think I'm still Mark Marble. <laughs> I'm dead with allergies right now. <laughs> and this is the Lantern Cast, <laughs> episode 347, 2019 movie preview, also known as Mark. Well, this there's like. Is, does Mark and Chad go to the movies, or Chad and Mark go to the movies? And the, no, the, the no, monk, the, you Chad. mean the monkey crap reference? <laughs> no, no, Mark and Chad go to the movies. I was looking for some enthusiasm <laughs> to match my delirium. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so this is a movie. This this is our movie episode. We do this uh, beginning of every year, and this year it just so happens to be the first episode of uh, 2019. First episode of 2019, first episode since the Christmas episode, the 10th anniversary thing. It's the first episode since Christmas, New Year's. Like, let's just get into it, man. Like, uh, how was how was your Christmas? How was your New Year's? It was relatively uneventful considering the year that this was, or it had been, 2018. I'm pretty, I am pretty content with that. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, uneventful-ish for for me. Nothing. Nothing big happened. Obviously, it was my first, uh, the first Christmas for my little half brother, and you know he's only like four months old, so it's not like you know that's gonna. It's it'll, it it was definitely underwhelming, you know, but it's not. I probably just expected too much of the event because I think it'll be a bigger deal like when he's one or two and can like realize what's happening. That 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 childish wonder will will start to seek sink in, but yeah, otherwise it was a good time. I. Man, I'm telling you, it's 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 not like y'all y'all heard me at the beginning. Like allergies hit me. I'm okay, like on sniffing and coughing. My throat's a little scratchy right now, and and all this. But like, the main thing I can tell is just when allergies hit, it just sucks every drop of energy out of me. And like I was telling Mark, like as we record this last night, I fell asleep in my recliner at like 8:30. <laughs> like that's how tired I was, and I didn't really. I mean, it just worked a normal day. Um, but like, it's so weird going into starting a new job in like November after being six months unemployed and then having all this time off, you know, like a four day weekend here and then a three day weekend here. And then, you know, they have these little holiday parties here, there all around the office or you have like half days and stuff. So it's, I've just been in this limbo state since starting this new job because of all these holiday celebration parties. And it's just like, now it's like time to get to work. At the worst time because all my energy is gone. So it's just, I'm just like, it's almost like I'm starting a new job all over again because I gotta just, I gotta buckle down, I gotta focus. <laughs> yeah, that's the neg- that's that's the negative to after you get through the holidays is like you have that moment when you, when you gotta shake off the cobwebs and and just refocus because as you wind down the year for the year ending, it's usually like well. All you want to do is like get some time off. 
Yeah. And, and then sure. and, and it's like okay now, now we have like another three hundred and like sixty something days before we're back in the same boat again. So now. It's like setting yourself up for failure when it comes to New Year's because everyone wants to do these New Year's resolutions and it's like, who thought of this idea? Who thought, who thought of like capping this, this relaxing time off with like, okay, let's put all these huge expectations on yourself right now. It's yeah. an awful idea. But speaking of shaking the cobwebs off, we're back. We're here to record. And one of the things we've learned over the years of doing this is that this is actually some people's favorite episode, or one of their favorite episodes that we do. Which is a little surprising, but but rewarding unto itself. <laughs> For sure. And all of this, you know, I was actually going back and listening to a bunch of things. You know how this thing started, right? Well, I know that was the first episode we did, right? Pretty much, uh, kind of, sort of. Not a movie, a, yeah, one of, one of, I should say. Well, we, uh, you and you and I, um, we did sort of like our first episode was like a toy merchandise sort of thing, right. to sort of like help, you know, because because it's right up. It was at the time it was right up your alley. It still is right up your alley to talk about toys and merch. So it helped kind of jumpstart things, and then we got fast and heavy into the, like catching up on reviews, and we were like, all right, we need to break. So, like, you picked a topic, and I picked a topic. And your topic was, what movies are we looking forward to? And then it became an annual thing. So, this is you. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> so, you want to you wanna give people, uh, since it's, 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 it's uh, your thing, you want to break it down, what, uh, what we're going to give people here? Now, how we're going to do it usually is, like, free-flowing. We don't... We don't necessarily. I think we mix things up a little bit. Like, like I told Chad, like my my list of my list of quote unquote must see movies, which of course had had to be adjusted because just like Chad's, because we did have some common threads. And to be fair, Chad sometimes goes out of his way not to pick some of the common or the most likely movies just because he knows I'm going to take them. But uh, like this year, I have my I have my list pretty much just I just went through release date order. I mean, I will obviously mention the ones that the one probably that I'm looking forward to the most when we get to it, but but I don't I did not really rank them like one through five. So, but we're gonna have our five most anticipated movies of the year. We're gonna talk about a whole bunch of middle of the road movies probably that we have at least like lukewarm interest in. And then the old sliding scale of three pounds, five pounds, ten pounds, infinity infinity pounds <laughs> of monkey crap list, which are the movies that we have really no damn interest in seeing. Uh, and I tried to be specific with this because there are some movies that I really don't really I don't have an interest in, but I know I'm probably going to see, mm. if only because of the show. So for, under that circumstance, I really try to move those into the middle of the ground, in the middle mm. category. I really try. It does. I mean, it doesn't always work. Sometimes I know there is something, and maybe when when you're going through some of yours, I'll try to I'll dig this up in my notebook because I think there was something that was. Oh, it might have been Aquaman, actually. I think Aquaman might have been in my... Not that I've seen it yet, technically. Uh, Thursday probably will be the day I see Aquaman. But I think Aquaman might have been on my monkey crap list last year, even though I did kind of anticipate I was going to see it. So, yeah, your mileage may vary by definition, essentially, is what this episode is going to boil down to. I've got a top five list, and they're ranked. Mark has five things, not necessarily ranks, but we will go in relative order from five to, to one. Um, I've got a couple of other categories. I've got interested in list. 
I've got three, five, ten pounds of monkey crap list. And the way I define monkey crap list is stuff I don't necessarily care about, but I'm likely going to go see it anyways as a result of whatever that may be. Uh, and then I have Others, which is mostly DC animated stuff um, that I've, I found. Uh, as a matter of fact, I think it's just all. Uh, and that's that's about it. So... We're, what we're going to do is we're going to give our number fives and then we'll, you know, I'll say what my five is. Mark will say what his five is and then we'll come up, come back and, and explain what that is and, and why we're looking forward to it. So you want to start or you want me to start? Well, if you're going to force me to rank these on the fly, I guess looking at, actually looking at my list right now, I'm going to have to say, and I, I guess this is fair to put as number five because technically speaking it was number six on my list. It only moved into the top five after one of yours, uh, one of our common threads w- was yours. So I'm going to say Star Wars Episode Nine is my number five. Okay. Uh, my number five is a movie called Code Eight. So Star Wars Episode Nine. I have a feeling there's a lot to be said here. Meanwhile, meanwhile, as we're talking, I'm desperately trying to find last year's list, but I guess at, at some point I'll find it in his notebook. It's like they can only be in so many places. Uh, Star Wars Episode Nine, yes. Probably the most shocking thing about Star Wars Episode Nine is just the fact that it's so friggin' low on this list. Like I said, it, during the original formation of this list, it, it was number six. Because uh, I figured you, whenever you're making these lists, you better have at least – you probably should have seven, but you, pro, but you at least have six because you can assume – no matter how we slice it, even that we're going to at least have one common thread. I wish I was more excited about Episode 9. The trailer might be able to bring some interest back in. And that trailer, as I think we've talked about before, that trailer has got to be – that trailer has to be good. That trailer has – that has to be a trailer that appeals to almost everybody. It has to not completely alienate the people that actually liked Episode 8. Uh, it can't be something that doesn't that only appeals to the people that liked episode eight. It has to try to reach out basically to the entire fractured fan base and at least make them interested, if not completely sold or willing to come back and say, okay, I, I, I'll definitely see this, even though I have reservations or I'm willing to put some of my you know negativity in the in my animosity towards Kathleen Kennedy and and or Lucasfilm. Aside, so I think once we get that first trailer, I'll I'll have a better idea personally. I think a lot of people will about the initial vibe on this. I don't. The fact that this movie, it's funny they're talking about this movie taking place only one year after Episode Eight, and they're making it sound like that's such a huge time jump. When historically, if you look at the episodes, it really isn't. <laughs> I mean, the only thing that really screw, screwed up the episodes is that that seven and eight took place like half an hour after each other. <laughs> Other than that, I mean, my God, look, I mean, episode, the, the prequel trilogy, the first, the second movie took place ten years after the first, and Sith took place three years after episode two, and there's a time gap between Star Wars and Empire and Empire and Jedi, too, though some, it's always just kind of murky, at least when the movies were made, but I don't know, I, I don't, I, I would be lying if I said I had a lot of enthusiasm for this movie, thank God Abrams is directing it and writing it, because if, if he wasn't, and especially after the, you know, the the whole debacle with, I mean, they needed somebody to do episode nine because uh, Trevor got the boot. That 
Have they spent anybody else but Abrams that they brought in to kind of try to salvage this or make some comprehensive conclusion or or and some conclusion that just makes sense? You know, uh, I would be much more nervous about this. I think Abrams is going to do the best job. Is more he's more he's more likely to pull this off than anybody else. I think in this position, but I'd be lying if I have a huge a lot of enthusiasm. For this movie, like we talked about in the build-up to episode eight, I just don't think this is my trilogy. I don't know if this movie can, it can change my feeling about that, but that's the reason why my why which premieres on uh, 12 20 2019. That's the release date. That is the reason why Star Wars Episode Nine is so low on my list. <laughs> so low. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's another reason. Those bastards. <laughs> um, no, I, I, I kind of feel you there. I Again, you know, uh, I've said it before. I'm not as invested in the Star Wars franchises as, as you are. Of course, I'm a fan. But, uh, you know, you, you've just got so much more invested in this than I do. So was I a fan of The Last Jedi? Uh, I mean... It was a good popcorn flick, and there's certainly things about it that irritate me, but I'm not, you know, ravenously and foaming at the mouth uh, upset about it. But I do agree with you. It's got a, it's got a long way to go to, uh, to really uh, garner people's attention. Uh, I'm really curious once episode nine is like, I don't know, five weeks in the theater or whatever that time frame may be. To then go back and compare, you know, Phantom Menace to Episode uh, uh, Seven, and then uh, Clone War, or Attack of the Clones to Episode Eight, and so on and so forth. You mean in box uh, just office this, or just overall vibe and what people think? Just in terms of uh, maybe uh, audience reaction and and box office would be a part of it, just to see, you know, how those opening weekends stagger. Uh, against each other to see how much, uh, comparatively speaking, um, you know, uh, people just loathing the movie that came before it affects the opening weekend of what came after. Because a lot of people really don't like Attack of the Clones, but Revenge of the Sith is something they like a lot more. So I'd be curious to see, you know, what what was you know opening weekend or what was total box office or what was audience reaction like for Revenge of the Sith versus Attack of the Clones, and does that compare at all, even slightly, to what will result from Episode 8 and 9? Do those numbers sort of line up there? Uh, that'd be a curious, that'd be something I'd be curious about. Because um, I, want, I want to touch upon that, but I'll let you finish everything else first. Yeah, um, you said it, it's got a, it's got a lot, a long way to go, and it's got to do it in the first trailer. I'm I'm curious if we're not going to get a teaser and just go out balls to the wall first trailer because I'd be if I was Disney and and, and I, I'm not as into this world as you are but if I was Disney I'd be like you know what a teaser's only 20 seconds something you know 15 to 30 seconds whatever however long that may be um we're not going to get people's attention with that short of a time when we come out with the first footage from the new Star Wars movie, it needs to be a full-blown trailer. And we got to really shock and awe people with a full trailer to get them back on our side. Um, so 
I think that may be unrealistic because it seems like everybody's doing teasers these days, but uh, especially for big franchises. But suffice it to say, I wouldn't be surprised if we skip the teaser route and go straight to full-on trailer for Star Wars Episode Nine. And as a result, I, I would guess that would mean we wouldn't see the first footage from Episode Nine until a bit later than we would expect. Well, teasers don't have to just be like 90 seconds. It could still be like you can still have like an hour, an hour. You could have like a minute and a half, and it could still technically be a teaser trailer. I think these days, I think they've kind. Of, I think they've. I think that's kind of like in the last 10 plus years. I think a teaser trailer has kind of become a little bit longer. Um, I think. I think. I think almost like the teaser has been defined more by the scope of what of what information you're shown in it, as opposed mm. to just uh, the fact that it's short. Uh, then I guess the issue is my my definition of it. No, because, I'm, not, so, I'm not saying you're so, wrong so, because it could, it so could be. So basically, the 30 seconds versus versus a minute and a half, two minutes. So I, mean, I don't think we're going to get the 30, 30 seconds uh, clips. I think we're going to get the first footage we get is going to be a full minute and a half, two minute, you know, three minute trailer, whatever it may be. I would agree that it's going to probably at least be a minute and a half to two. Uh, when you were talking about how all these episodes compare, I mean. There are certain X factors you have to look into. I mean, yes, itself kind of it kind of bo- bothers might be the wrong word. It surprises me a little that episode two is still thought of the way it is, even though most people I think still don't like episode one more. But you have to again, but you have to look at like like how you kind of segued into it, how one movie affects the other. Episode one, of course, kicked ass at the box office, and there were lots of reasons why that was the case. But people were relatively disappointed with episode one once the dust settled. So Attack of the Clones was never going to be beaten Episode 2, I mean Episode 1 probably no matter what because of the disappointment of Episode 1. And then Episode 3 had the bonus of the fact that I do think overall, I, I personally believe people like 2 more than 1. But Episode 3, don't forget, was supposed to be the last Star Wars movie. That was mm. supposed to be the final Star Wars movie. The, the saga was supposed to be complete. And plus Episode 3 was more of what people really wanted to see in the whole prequel thing to begin with. How Anakin became Vader, Obi-Wan and Vader, and slash Anakin squaring off, the birth of Luke and Leia, the Empire rising. All that's what the people really want, were curious about. Now, there is and there is a direct comparison if you look at some of these episodes. Like, all the, all the middle episodes so far, and it's not a huge sample size, there's only been three trilogies, but so far the middle movie has always done worse from a financial perspective, I think, than the, first, than the, one, than the first one. And the third one in its trilogy. That's and I don't mean to, I don't mean to interrupt. I want to ask you this, just because you're from your perspective, your knowledge base of the movie industry, is that sort of for the same reason? Like an issue two doesn't out typically outperform an issue one for comics. I think, you know, I think that's probably that's probably true. I mean, there are, there are see there are exceptions. I think there are exceptions. It's not like a, an axiom. It's just for like for Star Wars especially. It's just it's I'm not quite sure. Some of it's because of the hype. Because you have to remember, I mean, Star Wars was such a phenomenon that it was going to be hard. For, even though we think, oh, the first one was so big, of course the second one's got to be bigger. But we saw with Ultron too. That doesn't always work out that way. That mm-hmm. but sometimes when something's like a, a phenomenon that it just you know it just has a life of its own, like st- the original Star Wars did, and the anticipation for Episode One was so high. Just like Episode Seven, Episode Seven's buildup was om- was kind of almost as much as Episode One was. 
you know, if, if, if episode one hadn't disappointed people, I think episode, if it had been more satisfying, then the build-up to episode seven probably would have been even, even, even bigger. I don't know. I don't know. I think it's, I think it's the idea that when you know it's a trilogy, the second part's never going to have, even no matter how good the second part is, it's never going to be as interesting on some level because you know it's not beginning it and it's not ending it. It's just kind of hmm. like so. Uh, but Empire, as good as Empire is, Empire did not make more money than Star Wars, and I don't believe it made more money than Jedi. And so, so the fact that Return, uh, excuse me, Last Jedi did not make more money than Force Awakens was not necessarily surprising. But the, so, the, but the real interesting, th- interesting thing from a financial perspective will be based on the based on the patterns and the beats in this trilogy that have continued. That episode nine should make more money based on their pattern than episode eight. But the question oh. is, is it going to because of the damage episode eight did to the brand and to the franchise? And that's what's going to be interesting to watch. Oh. That's to me. That, to me, that's the most fascinating thing about it is is how this is going to perform financially. I mean, of course, it's going to make money. You know, it's not going to bomb. It's going to be successful. The question is, is it going to be, is it going to be more like Force Awakens? Or is it going to be more like a Last Jedi, or is it going to make last less than Last Jedi, in which you could clearly say, well, that you, you will have no other way to spin it, no matter or to analyze it, you can spin it how you want. You will have no other way to really analyze it objectively and say this movie made less money than Episode Eight, and the only reason you can justify that and say that makes any sense is because Episode Eight did such damage to the brand that it hasn't recovered yet. Now this hmm. movie, now mind you, this movie could. This movie could still do well financially, underachieve financially, but get the franchise back on track. That can happen. It could it could kind of like give you a, a reboot in that sense where the fan base is a little more happy and content now, so you can continue onward. But if for some reason this movie were to dramatically underachieve, certainly domestically, then you'd have really have to wonder about the state of the franchise because regardless of – like. Episode eight absolutely damaged this franchise severely, and Lucasfilm's really poor reaction to the criticism, which was legitimate. Not, I mean, some of it wasn't. Some people are always idiots, and they're being, but when they're attacking people and things like that, and I mean, pers- on a personal level, but se- but so many people didn't. Yeah, you know, a huge percentage of people weren't happy with Last Jedi on a sliding scale of being vehemently against it to being lukewarm against it to be. But the reality is to just to try to insult the fan, half your fan base pretty much and dismiss them. That's always a mistake. So they paid. So they paid for that, and so and Solo, a Star Wars story, paid for it. And the question is whether Episode Nine is going to be completely rebound from it, get it back on track, or is it going to compound the problem, which may not even be Abrams' fault because he was really left a shit a shit show to put together, considering all whatever. Because you have to think Ryan Johnson torpedoed a lot of things he was planning on doing in Episode Nine when he did his supposed treatments for Episodes Eight and Nine. That you have to think the way he was planning on concluding it now had to be dramatically altered because of what happened in Episode Eight. So mm-hmm. he, I know, so he made his hands are tied. The question is what he can make out of it. So yeah. I, I'm, so I'm fascinated. For, so this one I'm fascinated more from the box office and the repercussions of it for the franchise going forward. It, you know, is this going to has Star Wars will Star Wars ever recover, or is it going to recover anytime soon because from Episode Eight, or is it not? Is it is this kind of like Star Wars is now a damaged brand? It's still a successful brand, but you can't just throw Star Wars on a movie and release it, and people and and just people are going to flock to it. 
Right. So that's what I'm. That's what I'm kind of interested in. Now I don't want to turn this into an all Star Wars episode. Right. We do. We got a lot of stuff to do. But since we're on the topic, should we very briefly discuss what uh, what recently happened? Oh, with Star sure. Wars? Yeah, we, yeah, we can. We can do that. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. You want to tell people what happened? Which what, was in which was a Darth, it was Darth Vader, right? The Darth Vader series. I think so. I'm not reading it, so I don't know. And that's what a Soul series. Mm, again, I'm not reading it, so I don't know. I think so. I don't know. Yeah, I don't think it's Bun, so I think it's got to be Soul. I think Soul is. I think Soul. Either way, well, in in the and that's the series that's going to be ending soon. I don't know if it, was that the last. Well, I think that might have been the last issue, but if not, it's about it's this. And this Darth Vader series that's winding down this comic book series, we get a revelation of. That basically a confirmation of who created Anakin, you know, via the Force and via the Metachlorians. And they, in my opinion, you know, I don't, it was only because it's a retcon. It retcons a lot of stuff that had been in the previous tail end of the expanded universe. Very, very much so. One of the few, last few major books they did before they just re- revamped everything in, before episode uh, seven came out. The fact that Palpatine supposedly was the one who was a, who manipula- manipulated the mini Calorians and the Force to create to create Anakin inside Shmi. So basically, Palpatine is, by all accounts, the closest thing to a father that Anakin really had. Almost, he can't one hundred percent biologically, but he did create Anakin. So you'd have to say that. Yeah, I, I don't want to spend a ton of time on it just because we have a lot to do. But I, I wanted to say something and, and and regardless of how mark wants to, to to go about this my feelings on this equate to batman uh and and by that i mean my favorite batman stories my favorite joker stories are the world wherein joe chill is not joker joe chill is not hired by some organization to take a hit out on the waynes uh, or whatever other clandestine destiny-related event leads Joe Chill to murder the Waynes in Crime Alley that night. My favorite Batman canon comes from Joe Chill. Doesn't even have to be the name Joe Chill. It's just a random mugger on a random street who just happened upon this couple and took them out. That makes, to me, the Batman story more compelling because if you put this sense of destiny in it, then it becomes more about, you know, the Batman story becomes almost more of a, of a superhero story, which is, sounds weird, but hopefully people know what I'm saying. It, it becomes more because like with Superman, it's like, oh, he's born on a on a planet with a red sun and it exploded and it was sent to earth with a yellow sun and raised by this kindly couple and blah, blah, blah. And then how Jordan, you know, he's, he's, he lost his father and, and the, the ring found him cause he's capable of overcoming great will, but he had to be in the vicinity when Abin Sur's ship crashed and, and blah, 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 blah. That all has a sense of, of this was, this was destined to happen in some way, shape or form. If Batman's parents are killed in an alley by a random mugger on a random night, just at bad wrong place, wrong time, Batman's mission becomes more ground level and more realistic and more blah, 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 blah. If you give this grand sense of destiny, it's not that anymore. It's something else. And all of the Batman stories hence have to be about interconnecting these weave, uh, weaving storylines and blah, blah. 
Doing this to Anakin's past is the same thing to me. It gives Anakin and his story and the Skywalker story and everything we've seen so far this sense of, oh, this was always going to happen to me. Whether Mark agrees with that or other people agree with that or not, it doesn't make much of a difference to me because this is just how it makes me feel the minute I hear this information. Uh, but I mean, maybe I'm maybe I'm just not making the right comparisons here. So uh, to me, to me there there are a couple of issues. One I touched upon. Well, number one, I, if you wanted to, if you want to spin it positively, it's the fact that it certainly makes it more. Maybe maybe it makes it a tad more believable why Palpatine had more had this con- appeal to Anakin. Why, when he acted father-like to Anakin, it resonated more, even though Anakin wouldn't necessarily know why. Why he was able to be seduced more easily, but 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 on the neg- what, bo- what bothers me is that in a way how Anakin was conceived was kind of unique. It so in it was it's still unique I suppose, but I but maybe not having details about it made it better. That's so that's one view on it, and the other problem I have again going back to what I said. It if you read if you read the Darth uh, Plagueis book, which obviously is not canon anymore. Uh, which which is unfortunate because it did come out so close to uh, it wasn't that it, it was not that long ago I think the Darth Plagueis book came out and and the and the Darth Plagueis book was probably at least like sixty to seventy percent about Palpatine and not even that much Plagueis kind of took a back seat for at least the second half of that book that if if you didn't read that book and I know I've mentioned it on this show I think before that Plagueis book takes place it ends during the events basically. Of Phantom Menace, or and there and immediately thereafter, because Plagueis technically, according to that book, and I didn't, and I mind you, I didn't like this part. I don't, I didn't think it fit with what we were, because I thought it weakened Palpatine. But but Plagueis was supposedly alive all throughout the events of Phantom Menace up until pretty much the Battle of Naboo. That it's after Palpatine becomes Chancellor and he and Plagueis are s- celebrating their, you know, their master stroke. That's when basically Palpatine poisons him, and then once he falls asleep, he kills him. But but it's clear in the book, Palpatine, which kind of is in Episode Five. Palpatine talks a lot of shit to Anakin about what he can do or what he can't. But he makes it crystal clear after Anakin turns that I really don't know this. I'm sure together we can discover this power, or re- that the reality is, or rediscover it. That Plagueis knew the knew life or death. He knew how to reanimate dead tissue. He knew how to do that. He didn't teach Palpatine that. He was planning on doing it. But Palpatine got too impatient, which was perfect for Palpatine's character. So that Plagueis could be, be responsible for Anakin doing that because of his ability to control the Force and the Midichlorians. That made sense. Palpatine, not so much at that point, as he didn't he didn't know that because Plagueis' point of view was the rule of two had just now ended because I have I figured out the secret to immortality. So you and me, as in Palpatine, we're going to go on forever. We don't need to do the rule of two anymore, which sounds real great when you're the one on top. But when you're when you're the apprentice permanently, that's a problem, especially when you've been raised or, or trained to believe that 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 wasn't the way it was going to always work. One one way or the other, something was going to give. Either the, the apprentice would lose and die, and a new apprentice would be brought in, or the apprentice would uh, move up to master. So that's the issue I have with the retcon, and it, and it takes away some of the Plagueis stuff. It makes Palpatine a little more powerful than than he was, based on even what we saw in the movies in episode in Revenge of the Sith. So I and plus you have, you have to factor in that 
even in Phantom Menace, we're talking nine years before Phantom Menace, Palpatine had to have this power. Hmm. So that's the other problem with the timeline. That it's not just, oh, he, he... So it had to be nine years before the events of Phantom Menace that he created Anakin. So he had to be that power. So that's a complete change of pace when, you know, Pal, he was still the apprentice and... Be, so that those are my main those are my gotcha. main reasons not to, I don't like it. Listener check Ryan Daly if you're listening, <laughs> uh, write in. Let us know your thoughts. <laughs> All right, so my my number five is Code Eight. Now Code Eight is a film that Robbie Amell and Stephen Amell, um, if you recognize those names, Stephen Amell plays Arrow on the CW's Arrow show. And Robbie Amell, in relation to the CW DC Universe, played the first iteration of Firestorm um, within uh, season one of The Flash, and season two-ish, whatever. Um, but um, this is a project that they've been working on for a couple of years now. It, uh, I believe it had a Kickstarter and everything, and it, it went it went forward. It was I, I Mark, I sent you a little YouTube link. Short. Did you get a chance to watch it? Yes. Okay. Um, I would compare what they're doing here to uh, I want to say almost like Bright on Netflix, but with superpowers. Um, so like a street level sort of a thing. Uh, I want to compare it to um, oh damn, what's the Will Smith movie where he's a superpower superhero? Oh God, I know what you. Why the hell can't I think of it? Oh, oh man. Yeah, I'll, that, I'll, I'll find it. You just keep you. Yeah, y'all, y'all, y'all know what we're talking about. So I, I want to. It's a it's a world in which superpowers are a thing. They're out. They're about. They're um, Hancock. Hancock, there you go. Uh, they're they're well known uh, and they're regulated to an extent, but they're also there's a bit of an X Men vibe in here, where like all the people with superpowers are put upon. You know, um, Robbie Amell's character uh, and his friend. It's um, I hate saying this because, uh, but this is this is just honestly a fact of. Of of living uh, maybe maybe everywhere in this country, but definitely here in the South. If you go to like a Home Depot or a Lowe's in the morning, uh, there will be a group of of men, mostly Hispanic, um, waiting out there to have a you know be be chosen for a crew. You know, just go go do some work that day, get some get your pay, whether that be carpentry or stone laying or, or landscaping, whatever, whatever the, the home project is, um, that's usually what happens. And this, that's kind of what happens in this short is because these, uh, these members of society with superpowers are shunned, they're out there and it's hard for them to get work. So they're using the powers, their powers to the best of their ability to get work where they can. So Robbie and his friend get picked up to do this job and, and this whole thing happens. And then Robbie's powers sort of activate and, uh, the, the, the cops get called. There's this drone happen. This I'm sort of explaining this trailer here to you. There this, uh, this short, but this is a world that sort of sets the world. This has been happening so long. And, and Stephen Amell for a, quite a long time, has been one of the more prolific people on Facebook in terms of interacting with his fan base. 
Uh, I compare him to like Anne Rice. Anne Rice is extremely active with the people who like her Facebook page. She responds to a lot of comments. She's, you know, going back and forth with people and replies. And she's very active. So is Steven. And he goes very active with that. He go, does Facebook Live videos, so on and so, so, so forth. And I like Stephen Amell's Facebook page. So every now and then I'll get an update about Code 8. Supposedly, Code 8 is releasing this year. Now, the date is TBD, but we're supposedly, uh, at least when I built this list that I have here in my hand a couple of weeks ago, we're expecting an announcement on the actual release date by the end of January. I'm excited for it. Again, this, this project is something I've been hearing about over and over again. I've watched the short a couple of times. While I don't think it's like, 100% amazing film quality. It's at the very least like good Netflix original movie quality. Um, and, uh, you know, every time I, every time I watch it, I've maybe seen it five times now since it was posted on, on YouTube, but you know, at different points. Um, I, uh, I, I just kind of get reinvigorated about it and knowing that it's supposed to, the full length feature is supposed to be coming this year. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty excited to see how this world gets fleshed out and what they can and can't do with it. Whether Now, I, I completely recognize the, poten the potential of it to fall on its face. But I am encouraged by what I've seen. So, Mark, what do you think? I know you, you watch the short. What do you, what do you think? I mean, it's, it's interesting. I don't necessarily think the premise is that original, really. Hmm. It doesn't mean it won't be interesting to watch, cause, and it doesn't mean that there might not be stuff in the movie – that even though the concept itself is not one, is certainly not original. That it doesn't mean it won't there won't be things in it that have a different take on it. Uh, I, I had no issue with with the quality of, of really what we saw. I I, I mean it, it certainly would be something I'd be willing to check out if like you kind of alluded to if it was on Netflix or Amazon Prime or was free. Yeah, I'd, I I would watch it. So, uh, but. It's, it looks so. It looks somewhat interesting. That's what I would probably say. Okay. All right. Yeah. I, I, I wasn't expecting us to get a lot of talk about it because uh, it's one thing to have a trailer out that shows a lot of different aspects from a lot of different moments in the film. It's another to have this short out that just shows like a full scene and doesn't really give you a picture of the rest of what the film's going to look like. Um. So you know that's 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 part of the why it's still on the list. All right. Number fours. Number fours. All right, my number four is Captain Marvel. Ah, uh, yes. And what's your number four? My number four, looking at this list, do, 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 I would say number four is Spider-Man Far From Home. Okay. So for me, Captain Marvel. Out on March 8th of this year, uh, director Anna Bowden and Ryan Fleck, starring Brie Larson, Jude Law, Samuel L. Jackson, Lee Pace, and Clark Gregg, and more, produced by Marvel Studios. I wrote all that down. i got to at least say it. Um, so, Captain Marvel. Now, there's another movie on my list, my number three, which is on the list for the same reason, but a little higher because, well, we'll get there. Captain Marvel, for me thus far, 
is the movie from Marvel that you know over the past several years that I'm least excited about after seeing two trailers. After seeing two trailers from a Marvel movie, typically I'm more excited at this point. Now, that being said, I know bupkis about Captain Marvel. Scratch that. One of the first comics I ever had was Miss Marvel number one from the 70s. That issue, that's what I know about Captain Marvel. And in that one, I seem to remember a bit of amnesia concerning her, uh, herself and her abilities. I remember a lot of strong Spider-Man tie-ins. Uh, I think Scorpion, Scorpion was a villain in that. Yep. yep. Cause I think, uh, I, cause I either had the first or second issue, whichever, and if I, whichever one I had, the Scorpions on the cover, which is the only reason I would have bought it. Right. So I, you know, that, that was one of the, the, that was one of the first comics I ever read guys, but I never really attached to that. The same way I attach to, like, Marvel Chillers number one with Madra the Mystic or the Nexus issue or anything. Uh, that was just some ex- – it was an experience for me. So my limitation on uh, Captain Marvel knowledge comes from that issue and that issue alone. Sure, I've seen her in crossover events and, and things like that within Marvel, but I never really saw her and went, oh, I want to know more. Um, and that's – Maybe just not reading the right stories, maybe not having the right writer, maybe not having the right character, I don't. maybe not having the right design artist, I don't know. But the reason it makes the list, despite that, is because I'm not alone in that boat. In this case, I'm like a lot of the general movie-going audience who are not comic book fans because they have no context for who Captain Marvel is. And the general movie-going audience had that same experience before Guardians, before Black Panther. And look what those movies did. Before Ant-Man and the Wasp. I, I kind of throw that one in there just sort of as an afterthought because I don't think Ant-Man, of the, Ant-Man or, or Ant-Man and the Wasp necessarily did as big as uh, Black Panther or the first Guardians movie. But these are properties that a lot of people, for the most part, had no idea what these were. And then the movie hit, and holy crap, did it change everybody's mind. And they are some of the biggest franchises out of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Looking at my Blu-ray shelf right now and seeing the amount of films on that, just chronologically, back to back to back to back, all the way up to Ant-Man and the Wasp on Blu-ray, the Marvel Cinematic Universe has yet to do me wrong. So although I am the least excited for this film out of any of the Marvel Cinematic Universe stuff, that maybe sets it up to be one of the best films I've seen from them recently, because I am going in completely clear. Well, Captain Marvel's in, the, in my middle-of-the-road list, and Captain Marvel actually... So I'm assuming you said the two stop, the two trailers. You didn't see that pseudo-trailer that came out last night? No, I did not. Okay. Uh, for what it's worth, the the, the it's the least the minor opinion, the minor consensus that I've seen with people saying that almost every the people I've seen respond to it have indicated they think that's the best of the three. But my that being said, I don't. It's not a substantial improvement. <laughs> it's better than the other two, I think. 
but it's not heads in, you know, just miles and miles and miles above. So Captain Marvel is actually the quintessential movie when I was referring to something that would probably be on the monkey crap list, other than the fact that I know I'm going to see it. Captain Marvel would be on that list. I have no interest in Captain Marvel. The trailers, I would say up to this point, the marketing for this movie, for a Marvel movie for Captain Marvel has been the worst because it has not resonated. It has not gripped. Your analogy with Guardians, I know where you were going with it. The problem with Guardians, the only real way these two movies compare is when they first were announced, people were like, huh, what? That might be fair. Guardians sold people, a lot of people, after the first trailer. People saw the first trailer and said that looks really good or that looks really funny. Nobody or really the soundtrack that sounds yes, really both, good. all of it. Yes, the, the vibe, the everything, just the whole, the look, the feel, the sound. That it was different, and it resonated. Now it didn't resonate necessarily with me because it, I, I saw it and I thought and I and I appreciated the stuff that was in it. It still didn't make me really. I wasn't still looking forward to the movie. That being said, what convinced so many people and why Guardians, why they pretty much announced Guardians 2 before Guardians 1 even, I think, came out was because they knew this movie was going to do really well because of tracking, because of interest and everything. Captain Marvel has not resonated like that. Black Panther doesn't hold up either because Black Panther was introduced and people saw the character and liked the character on film in Civil War. They already basically had a move, a non Black Panther movie with Black Panther in it to help set the stage for a Black Panther movie. Little uh, Nick Fury in his beeper for th- at the end of Infinity War doesn't count. So this movie compares to Ant Man then because yeah, the, of, of all the three you said, Ant Man is probably the one. That, and I mind you, I think it's going to do more, make do better than Ant Man. It's going to make more money than Ant Man. But I think, but I think that's the best comparison to that from a from an interest perspective because i don't know if maybe maybe we are going to get one more trailer but the movie comes out what march mm. it's not that far away so maybe we'll get one full one you know full bore trailer well, we'll get a we'll get a blitz of tv spots and, and those TV that's not spots necessarily good. i know but that's not necessarily good either because Mar- marvel has been really bad at over i mean now with this movie it might be different this movie maybe showing more shit might help it Unless, but it makes you wonder when you watch when you watch this third this third trailer sneak preview whatever they called it that premiered last night during the national championship game, but I didn't even know they were doing that. I just happened to be watching the game and I happened to see it. The reality is we've had, we've seen three trailers and there's not that much of a big change in what we've seen. So which makes me nervous to that maybe there's not much there else for them to show to change. You know, maybe it's not like they're keeping this stuff hidden and all that's going to, you know, we got a big surprise. And I don't mean like plot point surprises. I mean, maybe this is what they have to work with, as in how she portrays this character, basically the plot, things that we've seen, special effects. Maybe this is kind of what we have and they don't and they don't have much. I mean, I'm hoping I'm wrong, but maybe they don't have that much more to go with with this movie to to try to promote it in a different way. But maybe, but maybe you're right. Maybe when they start doing the, the TV commercial blitz and stuff like that. But I don't think it helps this project when you have so many people blowing smoke up or you know what's about how amazing this character is and how powerful she is and she's the future of the Marvel Cinematic Universe and and 
You know, we want to, you know, build all these things around her, these, you know, these movies and these theme park attractions. It's like, let the, the damn movie come out first and see how people like it before you start. And that, that reeks of, honestly, what WB has done with the, with the DC stuff. Constantly putting the cart before the horse and already working on the next thing with the character before you even know if people care. Mm. So that makes... I don't think at the moment there's a huge vibe for this movie. There's a huge interest in this movie. Doesn't mean it won't do well. Doesn't mean it can't surprise. Maybe if the reviews are excellent. This is a movie where the reviews could make a difference for Marvel. If the reviews are subpar for a Marvel movie, I think it could have an impact on this. The more we find, especially once if the reviews find come out and we find out that it has like the teeny tiniest tie-in to Avengers, which by all accounts is supposedly the case. That it's not like there's a full, a natural, real, super connective tissue between stuff we've seen in Infinity War or maybe even Endgame, other than the explanation probably for where Captain Marvel is when Nick Fury's beeping her. But if we find out that this pretty much has no realistic, other than a few throw, you know, words and concepts thrown out, that really has nothing really to do with, with in the Avengers up to this point, I think that will hurt it too. Some people don't like the retcon. I mean, Nick Fury is talking about S.H.I.E.L.D., calling it S.H.I.E.L.D. And we've seen, actually, it's not the first time we've seen this. We saw this in Ant-Man and other things, too, even though Coulson wasn't calling it S.H.I.E.L.D. to the end of Iron Man. You know? Mm. He, he was using the, the, the full name and said, that's a little you know, long-winded, and we've, you know, we, you know, we've shortened it up. It's like, uh, so I, I, I don't have a lot of interest in this movie. I'm going to see it, and I'm hoping I'm wrong. But, yeah, I, I don't have a lot of interest in this movie. All right. Been number four. Spider-Man uh, Far From Home. Now, it's funny that we're talking about this because this was supposed to be, as you and I have talked about previously, this was supposed to be a, th- a third trailer that was supposed to drop sometime in December. And I think it dropped overseas somewhere at some kind of uh, con uh, or footage dropped. I don't know if it was the full trailer. But either way, we haven't seen it yet. It has not been released yet. Which is still weird because they they just they just had horrible timing. It should have been on Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. That makes no sense why you would want to put that on it. It makes no sense. It's a perfect selling point. Uh, but I'm interested in this movie. I like Tom Holland as Spider-Man. I Mysterio concerns me a little, but I but Gyllenhaal probably will bring something interesting to it. And it'll be curious to see what kind of what kind of post you know Endgame world Spider-Man lives in and whether and since we, there's no reason to believe, despite some misdirection, there's no reason to believe this is going to take place before, you know, uh, Infinity War. Just like there's no reason to believe Black Panther, the sequel, will take, you know, come on. Most of the snap, I mean, you know, I think it's safe to assume most, if most, if not all, of these snapped people are not going to be dead when this is all said and done. Uh, these main characters. I'm interested in it. It's, this also technically is the last. I'm, I'm, until I will say until because Sony has indicated they want to renew their arrangement with Marvel. It would be stupid for them not to want to do it. It would be stupid for Marvel to not want to do it, especially if even if two of the three, if Cap, Thor, and Iron Man are really being phased out either permanently or for the time being, uh, they they really they do. I know they have the X Men and Fantastic Four warming up in the bullpen, which is a big plus for them. There's no doubt. But to have, to lose Spider Man and not have Spider Man around. Even though, yes, it's a younger version, he can't really be a full leader, truly, at this stage of where, where he is age-wise. But to lose him and have to rely on a lot of these other characters that are still not, that are still like B or C tier characters overall, 
I don't think that's what Marvel would want. Sony certainly would want that as great exposure for them and to be able to get the cameos and have the crossovers, you know, for their movies by getting uh, Marvel's actors, the studio actors in their movie. I'm sure they'll renegotiate. But as, as we speak, this will be Tom Holland's third, you know, his what his third movie. I think he's, he was contracted for a fourth. I'm not sure how they worked out the Infinity War thing. Um, I'm not yeah, I'm not sure how that worked. I think. This would be fourth because of Civil War, right? Yeah, you're right. You're right. Let me let me take that. Let me amend my statement. I think it is it is it is the third. The Infinity Endgame should be the third. Endgame should be the third borrowing of the character that they negotiated. That's probably the way I should put it. Because obviously, Marvel. I mean, Sony can do whatever they want with Tom Holland. Really, I guess as long as they want to, technically. But I think Endgame is the last of the three contracted appearances for Spider-Man in a, in, a, in the cinematic universe right now. But either way, that I'm interested that, that I'm interested in seeing how that character continues on, and it's a pretty to me it's a pretty barren year for movies too. There were there, it was hard for me to even mm-hmm. get six, so that's that's another reason why I have Spider-Man on the list. Um, into the Spider or not into the Spider-Verse. Um, Far from home. Uh, I'm excited about. It. It's hard to say anything else without a trailer. Um, I'm. Uh, I, I am excited about it. I really did enjoy Homecoming. But here's the deal. Into the Spider Verse. In and I've seen it twice now, and there's been sufficient time for the the hype of coming out of that theater to wear off. Into the Spider Verse is my favorite Spider-Man movie, bar none. I'm sorry. It just is. So, now, don't get me wrong, I'm old enough, intelligent enough, whatever you want to say, to to know that Into the Spider-Verse, and a live-action movie that's tied in with a cinematic universe and so on and so forth, are two very different things. But it doesn't matter. If it's Spider-Man, I'm going to have to judge it on the, on the grading scale of Spider-Man. And for me... Into the Spider-Verse is number one right now. And I am in awe of that film. And I enjoy the crap out of it. And I cannot wait for it to be out on Blu-ray. That being said, I am very, very curious to see where they go with this. I'm very, very curious to see what they do with Mysterio. Because of Spider-Man's rogues gallery, Mysterio is not one I know quite a lot about. So it would be a little a relative blind spot for me to come in on, and I wouldn't see a potential twist or, or whatever coming um, at me because of that. Um, and I'm very curious to see how the character looks. I know what Mysterio looks like in the comics, but will they do that to the T in the film? And how will that look? Um, will, it, will they pull an Aquaman with it and do the whole Black Manta thing where it just looks like he steps straight off the comic book page, but who cares because the whole freaking thing looks like he steps right off the comic page and just like, yeah, let's go, let's just freaking say, yeah, we're doing this film, we're doing it to the nines, we're doing it exactly like the comics, and if you don't like it, shut up because we're having fun. <laughs> like, if they do that with Mysterio and the character design and the costume is all just like it steps straight off the page and they just own it, That'll be a ballsy move, and I'll be enjoying the crap out of it. Um, but again, there's not a lot I can say about it um, because of, of, of where we're at with it without there, without there being any trailers or anything. Um, Mark, you did see Into the Spider-Verse, right? Yes. What do you think? I enjoyed it. I don't – I based on what I saw, I, I don't – 
I guess I'm not 100% sure what, what the super hype is or was for it. I liked it. It was good. Now, I'm not going to lie. I, I, I unfortunately dozed off when the real Peter Parker of that, universe, of that timeline, spoiler alert, uh, met his fate. Uh, so I didn't act. So I kind of, it was the very end of that a- action sequence that woke me up. The noise woke me up. But uh, it, I enjoyed it. I and it made me. I mean, I don't. I've never really read anything with Miles Morales, and I really don't care about Miles Morales. But I'm not gonna lie to that. The, the this probably this increased my interest in wanting to know more about Miles Morales. I, you know, the Spider Gwen stuff was was pretty in, was pretty interesting. All the Spider Man were, pre, you know, the way they were. I don't know if I really liked the Hall of Armor. You know, the the Iron Man rip off thing for all the mm-hmm. that. I mean, it was convenient enough. I mean, it, it was obviously will be beneficial for for Miles to have a, you know to potentially get a real suit, but I don't know if I. I guess based in that universe of Spider-Man, maybe it was not that surprising that that existed. But all 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 you could think of was you know Tony's, Tony's. Right. So, but I liked it. I, I I thought it was good. It was really funny. Some of the some of the you know the references to the you know to the. Like the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies and the in the old you know the the 60s cartoon show and all, all that stuff. I I appreciated that I I I thought that was good Nicolas Cage was really funny so it was mm. good I probably will buy it I'll, when it comes out on Blu-ray I'll probably buy it so yeah for me uh, that movie and I, I, for those of you listening we're not, we're not, I'm not going to dive into this because. Uh, I did do a guest appearance on Welcome to Level 7, which is an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, but also about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. There is a uh, Welcome to Level 7 episode all about Into the Spider-Verse in which I was a guest on. So I go, got to just go ham on this. <laughs> Peter <laughs> Parker. <laughs> uh, but I will say the storytelling device is a big part of the reason I just came away liking it so much because – they use this that uh, that origin thing as going. All right, let's do this one more time. My name's Peter Parker, and for whatever years I've been the one and only Spider-Man. And they go through the origin like rapid fire, and they started off with a comic book issue one slap down, right? And then when Peter Parker from the other universe shows up, schlubby Peter Parker. Um, which is what Kevin Kevin Smith calls him is Schlubby Peter Parker. When Schlubby Peter Parker shows up, we do it again. Issue one, slap down. All right, let's do this one more time. I'm Peter Parker, you know, and then they, all right, okay, this is a cool way to do this. And then Spider Gwen shows up, and they do the issue one, slap down, and she starts telling her origin too. And at that point. The, because of Spider Gwen's like style and stuff, like it's you're still into it because it's a different color scheme. It's loud. It's you know it's it's something the general moving uh, movie going audience doesn't know anything about Spider Gwen, and so that's cool. But at that point, you're starting to get a bit sick of it. Then they make a gag of it with Penny Parker and Spider Man Noir and Spider Ham by doing like all three at once and like issue, <laughs> three issues slapped down. So you're like, okay, cool, we're done with this. But they give Miles' story so much heart. By the time, like, that music kicks in and the scene you've seen from the trailer where he leaps off the building and the glass shatters and he plummets and then he, you know, throws his 
his web shooters up and starts swinging, you know, in full, full on in his costume. And then his issue one slaps down. And that just, they, they took this thing where, where we as comic book fans have always been like, do we need to see the Waynes die? Do we need to see Uncle Ben die? Do we need to see him bit by the spider? We all know at this point, right? They took it. They did something different with it. We got sick of it midway through. So they decided to make a joke out of it. And then they gave it heart all over again. And I was just like, holy crap. <laughs> if you put that much thought into just this process, and the rest of it was as amazing as it was, like, I was just so blown away by that film. So I just, I really enjoyed it. Plus, the, after the credits gag, yeah, I, died la- yeah, I died laughing. I died laughing. Yeah, that was, that, that was good. Uh, so the release date for Spider-Man Far From Home is 7-5-19. So that'll be the mm-hmm. July 4th movie. Uh, yeah, I, I, again, not to spend too much time on into the Spider-Verse uh, only because of the episode we're doing. It's It was good. I enjoyed it. I definitely had the sliding scale of movies to see. I wanted to see that more than Aquaman. So I will see yeah. Aquaman and boom. All right. What's your number three? I think number three will be, and right now I think it's supposed to, this is supposed to be an 8-2-19 release. I'm going to put Fast and Furious Presents Hobbs and Shaw, which is the Rock and Jason Statham spinoff from uh, from Fast and Furious, with those their two characters teaming up. Which obviously, in the last Fast and Furious movie, for those who saw it, you could see those characters were kind of like forming some kind of mm. bond, considering that they how how far they've come from where they were basically, and they still technically would have. In my mind, they still have to reconcile. Well, actually, I guess they really don't between The Rock and Jason Statham's character, but only if Jason Statham's character was ever going to be really around. Uh, Vin Diesel's character, they still have to, and the others, they still have to reconcile the fact that technically they have Jason Statham killing off Han, uh, that character, who actually is uh, is in your Robbie Amell movie. He's one of the cops. He was hmm. one of the cops. Uh, I'm trying to remember it, but uh, yeah. So I'm I I I like well, obviously it's not a secret. I like The Rock. I like. I like his. I like the Hobbs character. I like. I kind of liked what they did with the Jason Statham character, kind of making it a little more, a little less of a you know bad a bad seed, not less of a badass, but more of a bad seed, and fleshing out his character more to give him more backstory to kind of like why he was the way he was. Uh, they got Idris Elba as the bad guy in this movie, so that's so that should be pretty cool. Uh, I I'm curious about this one. This is this this is gonna be an this is gonna be interesting because it's going to test. The power of Fast and Furious to see if it has the legs to, or the appeal to branch out in a mo- to a movie that doesn't seemingly will really revolve around the basics basis of all Fast and Furious movies, which seems to be fast, car- fast, good-looking cars, <laughs> regardless of the action sequences involved. Because and Netflix has added, uh, they I think recently they added. The original Fast and Furious, the second one, and Tokyo Drift, which I had seen most of, in which Han dies, and then they eventually tie that into the current franchise. And Tokyo Drift, and re- the real timeline, Tokyo Drift takes place like after part five or six, but yet it's the third movie. Uh, not that you knew this at the time, they just they that they kind of answered that question eventually. That I watched them for, and I never saw the first one, and I saw bits and pieces of the second one. So that's going to be interesting because well, once the trailer comes out, maybe we'll get a different vibe. But based on the Hobbs character and even the Jason Statham character, you would think the super fast car thing or the slick car thing really wouldn't be certainly not the Rock's forte. 
in that franchise. But it'll be curious to see if that the appeal of those characters uh, carries over. It, it will. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see if because this is absolutely a movie that that The Rock should be able to, to sell. You know, it is a character that is it is a character he's already played. It's a character people like. While we know is that the interesting part of his career is the fact that he's been real good at coming into existing franchises and helping them and boosting them, he has yet to really establish his own franchise. Not that this technique, again, would not. I'm not saying this would fit that bill because clearly it wouldn't. But for that reason, this is why this should be one he should be able to knock out of the park. So I, I'm curious again from the box office pr- perspective to see how this how this movie does. August is not the best time for big, 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 big movies. All usually. So we'll see, but yeah, that's 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 number that's number three. Unfortunately, on this one, I don't have much to say, um, be, because one, there's not a trailer out yet. Two, um, I saw Fast and Furious one, two, never saw Tokyo Drift, and saw four. I'm pretty sure I never saw any of the others, so I'm not familiar with either of the characters featured in this film. Um, and uh, because of that, I, I, you know, when you base a movie off of them and I'm not familiar with them, I can't get any sort of excitement for it. Um, unfortunately, I, again, I can't say much about it because, again, no trailer because that would be the only way for me to comment on it. Typically, when we do these lists, I try to watch like a trailer or two, maybe read up a bit on some of the stuff that Mark has so that I can be at least familiar enough to talk about at least his top five the same way he can talk about mine. In this particular case, I'd have to go find and watch a couple of films. <laughs> I didn't have that kind of time. <laughs> so so I, I've, I've been curious. Like four of them. You'd, Pat- have to, you'd, have to watch, you'd have to watch the last four for The Rock to be in it, and you'd have to watch, I think, the last two, I think, for Jason Statham's character to be in it. Right, and I, I, I've been curious, and I've wanted to catch up on the Fast and Furious franchise. But unless it's on all, like all, on Netflix together for me to just, you know, marathon the crap out of, unless someone out there has like a Blu-ray box set and wants to give me the digital download code. I'm not going to invest the money in just trying these movies just to catch up. Um, it's, it's at this point, it's, it's just, it's too far gone for me to catch up. If, if I was like one movie behind, I'd be like, all right, now yeah, let's get, let's, 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 uh, catch up before the next one. In this case, it's just too much. So I honestly, I, I don't have anything to say about this one. Now you want to talk about a franchise that has gone, that's pretty much gone from, you know, like the outhouse to the penthouse when it comes to, to money. I mean, I'm looking at this. The original Fast and Furious made 300. Actually, no, excuse me, that was the second one because you got, you got, you got to remember the, the the fourth one was the fourth one was called Fast and Furious, but the original movie is The Fast and the Furious. <laughs> yeah, they have two, they have two thousand there. The the original The Fast and the Furious in 2001 only made 207.3 million dollars worldwide. Uh, the one the the one that just the most the highest grossing one was actually not the last one. It was the one with the last one with uh, it was the one with last one with Paul Walker in it, which was the one in 2015 Furious Seven. That one made 1.5 billion dollars. <laughs> So, so that franchise that franchise has actually been other than Tokyo Drift. Tokyo Drift did not do well. Tokyo Drift Drift worldwide is the and domestically is the the smallest grossing movie in the franchise. But other than that, 
the movie has the movie has the franchise has gone up pretty much every movie with the exception of Furious Seven and, and the Fate of the Furious being switched, probably because the Paul Walker hype uh was one of the reasons to probably push that into the stratosphere how they were gonna deal with the Paul Walker character and and uh everything else. But this movie yeah, but it's become who I mean, whoever whatever thought that you know, that movie that but that that this franchise would still be going, and now we're talking about a, uh, a franchise that its last two entries that if you average them out, we're talking made like about like what something like close to like 1.4 billion dollars per movie. Mm. So that's 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 that that's crazy. <laughs> All right, my number three, and listeners, you may want to turn your volume down by about half right now. Mark, close your ears. My number three is Shazam. <laughs> Shazam! Uh, I told you guys that my number three on the list would be much uh, the same as Captain Marvel in some ways. Now, I'm not going to say anything because Mark hasn't seen it at this point as we record this, but I have seen Aquaman, and I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it quite a bit, actually. Um, The reason Shazam is number three on my list is because... Uh, in, in the same vein as Captain Marvel, it's one of those uh, one of those franchises that when DC announced it, as opposed to, to Marvel announcing it, people went, "Huh, we're doing what now?" Um, and then they described it, and people were like, "Oh, that's that's a Captain, that's a Shazam story with Captain Marvel." Uh, you know, people are still confused. It's Shazam now, I guess. Whatever. Um, but. Um, it was a questionable choice, but we have a release date of April 5th, one day before my birthday, so of course I have to see it. Uh, David Sandberg... Contractually obligated. Yep. David Sandberg is the director, starring Zachary Levi, Mark Strong, uh, oh, damn it, Dimaj, D-J-I-M-O-N. Yeah, uh, the, the, the Guardians of the Galaxy guy. Right. Uh, Asher Angel, produced by Warner Brothers. Now... Seen the trailers? I enjoy the trailers. Yep. Uh, I I said all along that if they hit this this the tone of Captain Marvel right, it'll be a great movie. Forgetting that, it seems like thus far, with Aquaman and with Wonder Woman, when Warner Brothers decides to step back and loosen the damn death grip. They have on the creative teams that go into their DC movies, the movies succeed. And they let the directors and the writers' vision for what that film can be just go forth into the world. And people love it. That happened with Wonder Woman, and it was a huge success. It's happening with, uh, with Aquaman right now, and that movie is about to, if not already, cross the billion-dollar mark. And so, so domestically, it isn't exactly set. It's not setting the world on fire domestically. It's doing well, but it's not. Hmm. But, but, um, but yeah, um, it's. Uh, I, I really enjoyed Aquaman. I have thoughts about it. I'm going to wait till Mark has seen it. We'll talk about it next episode. I assume it's in the uh, after we talk about issue three of the Green Lantern. Um, but um, yeah, I, I'm I'm excited to see 
this vision unfold. And I'm excited to see if this film can hit the tone I think it needs to hit to be a success. Uh, I'm excited to see this levity in the DCU. I'm excited to see um, this, this, this character on the big screen. Uh, because quite honestly, I mean, you, it may be a simple concept of, you know, sort of a wish fulfillment thing with kids saying a magic word and becoming a, a super powered adult. But, um, it may be a simple concept, but it's just, it's, it's, it's just inherently this lighthearted, fun, wish fulfillment thing that it's just, I'm really excited to see that tone hit within a DC movie, especially with how dark things have been. Um, and, and I'm not including Aquaman in that because that's a great film. Um, there's a lot of levity in that too, but this is just a different beast with, uh, with Shazam and I'm excited to see them go there and, uh, and see what happens with it. Uh, before we go to in, into the Shazam thing itself, I, I know I agree that the tones have been different and the, the approach maybe has been different regarding Aquaman and Wonder Woman. I don't I'm not going to buy in cuz I've I railed against railed against this constantly on the show so I I would be remiss if I if I just didn't say something. I'm not buying that oh this is that the reason why the, the all too easy answer the only the reason why the other DC movies failed is because the studio wouldn't let the controller had too much control over the director and what a Man of Steel didn't work because that this is the, this is what Snyder wanted. That was his direction, his his vision. It didn't work. Batman vs Superman failed because this was Snyder's vision. Justice League was a was a cluster, you know what? Because partially, WB probably didn't like what they either didn't like what Snyder had done, or they were afraid that so much damage was done from the other two movies that they couldn't afford to let Snyder's vision stay. So I think it has to do with the director, but I think it has to do with who they hire. I think Snyder just did not do the, did not give do no pun intended justice to the material that he had, and that's the reason why it didn't work. I don't think it has to do with, had to do with WB it was too controlling. Uh, I think it has to do with I mean it might have made it easier for them to step back because everything else was going to hell, and they had well we got nothing to lose. But I don't think I don't think it was a complete change of complete change of pace uh but that that was that's my opinion on that shazam that shazam is is right near the top of my monkey crap list no desire to see it might see it not committing to see it has no appeal to me the fact that it's still supposed to take place i guess in this dc cinematic universe but not necessarily be super tied to it at least that was the original vision of the movie maybe the way it actually came out it's different I don't know. I that did did not does not have. I can see why it has a goofy kind of appeal. I get that. To me, neither one of the Captain Marvel movies have any kind of appeal to me. But I'll see the Marvel one because it's Marvel, and it, it, at least we know that character is going to show up in Avengers. I, I Shazam. I'm less committed to than I am even. I was non not 100% committed to Aquaman. I'm even less committed to Shazam. Okay. Um, we'll give her number two's then. My number two is Aladdin. Mark? Uh, my number two, I guess, will be Glass. All right. So Aladdin, 
I've said before on the show, Aladdin is my number one favorite Disney animated film. Uh, maybe just Disney film, period. Uh, but I'd have to look at their entire release schedule just to be, be sure of that. So much so, it's the only Disney film I own on Blu-ray uh, currently. I love Aladdin. I if, like at least once every three weeks or so, for some reason, you know, the Prince Ali song or, you know, you ain't never had a friend like me. We'll just like the beat will get stuck in my head for some reason. And I haven't seen the film in like months. Um, I, I really love Aladdin. That being said, the teaser trailer got me excited. Um, the images of Will Smith as the genie did not. Now, that's just because maybe this is a fact of doing this live action. Um, maybe we shouldn't have expected a big CG, uh, CGI blue Will Smith on the screen. I don't, I don't know. Um, but I was discussing this with some, some, uh, some coworkers today. And part of my concern, I think, of this is I'm curious of how these musical numbers are going to work if Genie is this, you know, physical person, Will Smith. Uh, I, I, it's Disney. If anybody can do it, Disney can. But uh, I, I, I just, I, because I can't fathom in my head how it's going to work, uh, it just makes me cautious. It has nothing to do with how Will Smith looks in the outfit. It has nothing to do with Disney's decision to do that. It just, I don't see how, like the, those musical numbers I love so much can just come to life the way they did in the animated film in this live action film with Genie being the way he is. I, I don't know, but I can't not put it at number two because I love Aladdin so much. Uh, and uh, no matter what happens, I'm going to have to be excited about seeing this for me. I think Aladdin doesn't necessarily, but sort of occupies the same space that Venom did for me last year. Is I can see why people are concerned about it. I'm going to have faith in it anyways. Uh, I will openly admit Aladdin is one of the gazillion uh, Disney movies that came out during that time frame that I didn't actually see. So I am in the and actually, when we go through the middle of the road list, a lot of them are a lot of the gazillion, way too many, potentially. Uh, seems like a flood of Disney movies that are coming out in 2019. That most of the most of the Disney movies will be on are on my list because I haven't seen them or I have no interest in seeing a newer version of them. Aladdin's in that boat. Uh, the Will Smith thing, yeah, I, I'm neutral on it uh, as long as friggin' Jaden Smith isn't in it. Then uh, that would be some, that would be a deal break. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't have much to add with when it comes to Aladdin. I, I, I think that one might translate better. I think that may translate better than uh, some of the other live action ones they're doing that, that I have a little more concern with. So I'm a little more open minded. Of course, we've already gotten some pushback to Naomi Scott being uh, Jasmine, which is par for the course these days. It, just seems like some people always have to bitch about something, and it seems like they can they only bitch when when the roles are not cast the way they want. Um, you know, but the opposite is always okay when you if you flip them. 
she looks okay. I mean, I, I don't have a big issue, but again, I don't know. I'm so I'm pretty I'm pretty neutral on it. I'm I I I could be I could be convinced to see it, but it's again I don't I don't have the ties to it from either from when I was younger, so it doesn't have that. I understand why it does to to you and other people, but to me, no, it doesn't really call to me that much. Makes sense. Glass. Glass, yes. Glass was kind of hard to figure out where to put on this list, but as a as we were going through uh, having to rank them. It's pretty clear Glass is number two on my list. Uh, Glass, oh, which comes out 118, 19, which is, follows the pattern of almost, I think, the last couple of years where they're having one movie be relatively close to the time we're doing the show uh, be, be on the list. Yeah, sorry. Aladdin comes out May 24th. Yeah, a lot of, the, a lot of your big movies are May. Uh, so... When it comes to Glass, I I stated before I was not a I liked Unbreakable. I didn't love Unbreakable. I thought people were a little again during the that was during the the height of the Shyamalan hype. I think people were reading too much into it. Uh, maybe it's appreciated a little bit more now, especially after seeing regular true comic book movies come to life. That being in, being able to see what Shyamalan was trying to do at a time frame when comic book movies were not really commonplace the way we know the way certainly the way they are now. But I was I was okay on Unbreakable. It's not in my. It was not in my top. Still isn't in my top uh, three probably of if it or it could be maybe number three of my Shyamalan movies. So, but I really like Split. I thought Split as a movie worked, and then I was pretty excited. I think even before – I was pretty sure before I saw Split, I knew about the end scene twists, which tied it into the same universe and brought back uh, Bruce Willis's David Dunn character. So I'm really interested in this to see all how, the interaction with the three characters. Is it, There's a curiosity factor whether it's going to be a little too late. You know, because obviously Bruce Willis is a little older. Samuel Jackson never seems to age all that much, so it doesn't matter. But <laughs> but it's going to be curious with him and squaring off against McAvoy, and and I I'm I, I just have a great interest in this movie, and I'm hoping that you know that Shyamalan's able to pull this off. And that's that's pretty much it, I think, for my for my interest in this one. <coughs> uh, I'm excited for Glass. This is one of the ones I think I ceded to you just because. Uh, you know, uh, I like um, uh, Unbreakable, but I've just still not seen Split. Um, so just by nature of you seeing, having seen both and being more into the film franchise and, you know, having seen a bunch of other uh, Shyamalan's other films and, and things like that, I just, I had to give it to you. But I, I, I am excited for Glass. Uh, I don't know what else I can say about it beyond that or what else I can say that you haven't said. Um, it just looks exciting. And I don't mean like scary. I don't mean like action packed. I just mean it looks exciting. Like I'm just going to be sitting in the seat, just like leaning forward a little bit, not out of curiosity, but just out of like, wow, what am I watching? This is so cool. Uh, and uh, I, I just can't wait to live that out. Uh, I'm really, I'm really excited to see what they do with it. I agree. I think. It, it's really it's really interesting because this is going to be one of those movies where, from a Shyamalan perspective, this is probably the first movie that he's had in a long time that actually has expectations. 
because he hasn't. He, I mean, he's had some. He's had some moderate success uh, over the last few years when he did what the visit. I think the visit was the movie that kind of brought him back, and then then you had the uh, then you had Split. I mean, they haven't been. You know, they haven't been just you know massive hits by any stretch of the imagination, but for a while we know Sha- you know Shyamalan was just bo- he was just uh, box office poison from a directive perspective. There was no there was no if ands or buts. He was just his movies had completely gone into the you know into the toilet. Uh, probably with the absolute peak of that being After Earth, which was. Which was not really his fault. I mean, that project. I think that project tanked because of Jaden Smith being the lead in it. So I don't think it. But it was a project that was not was never going to succeed. But he was so. I think he just needed to get a job, pretty much. But it, so be curious to see if he bounces back. Uh, I want to see how the the Anya or the Anya, excuse me, Taylor Joy character who was in uh, Split to see because she's back in this movie too. I want to see how, how that ties into this. How and why it ties into it, why it was necessary to bring her character back. Not that I'm unhappy with it. I'm just curious to see how she fits into the dynamic. Um, so yeah, I'm excited for it. And obviously, that's gonna be one of the first movies that we're gonna see that from of the new batch in 19. And it's not, and actually one of the certainly the first movie that you and I are both gung ho for. So it'll be kind of curious. All right, uh, well, number ones then. Is that me? Yeah, that's yes, you. That's what I thought. Well, uh, for me, obviously, uh, Avengers Endgame. Mm. Avengers Endgame, which is what four twenty six nineteen. That to me, it, re, re, if I had to boil it down, that's glasses. I do want to see glass, so it's hard to make this blanket statement. But really, the, the to, there's like no comparison between what if I could only see one movie, which one movie I would see this year? It'd be Avengers Endgame. Everything else is falls by the wayside, you know. So. Uh, yeah, uh, my number one is Godzilla, King of the Monsters, out on uh, May 31st of 2019. Which was one on my list, and that's pretty much we swapped. Chad being the Godzilla guy, he got Godzilla, and I and I kept and I kept Glass. So, which one do you want to disc- you want to do Godzilla first? <clears throat> oh, Endgame. Go ahead. Well, I mean, we've talked about Endgame already a decent amount. Uh, we've only had that one little teaser trailer so we really don't know we get bits and pieces of different things either through toys or comments related to Captain Marvel Endgame is gonna it is exactly what the title says it's gonna basically end the first 10 years plus of the the Marvel Cinematic Universe and kind of set the stage for the you know for the next stage phase even if they don't even if they do officially stop calling them phases after this we'll see we know this is probably going to be may not literally be the last hurrah for where we where we ever see these characters and or see these actors playing these characters, but everything indicates that the main certainly the main Avengers as we know them that this is going to be the last time they're all going to be together as far as at least for a long time, and depending on their fates, uh, maybe maybe forever. So with each big three of Thor, Cap, and Iron Man. That the odds of all of them making it out alive are probably not particularly good, and it just seems like they want to, for multiple reasons, the actors want to move on, Marvel wants to move on. Again, it doesn't mean that they're gonna, it's they're gonna end these. It's, it's the comic book movies at the end of the day, and in, and in 
in a in a universe where you have time travel and multiverses and and different things and 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 scrolls and all the other things the the you can absolutely never say never that we're that even if we see some of these characters die in this movie that we're not going to see them again we don't know but still this is going to be the ending that we do that we didn't really get in infinity war it didn't you know we were left we knew we were not going to get an ending on it once they which is kind of weird. They split it up and said this is in part one and part two, but we by doing doing it the way they did, we kind of knew that we weren't going to really get a resolution to this this storyline until until the fourth Avengers movie. This is where it all you know it, it all ends here as the great you know that great tagline. It just that's where it's going to come down to, and we have to see who's alive, who's not when it's all said to get said and done. How Thanos gets. How Thanos gets beaten? Is it multiverse hopping? Is it time travel? Is it, is it? So I'm just interested in seeing it. I actually am interested in it being more of an Avengers movie as opposed to a Thanos movie, which I understand it was kind of clever. It was kind of unique or clever to do that, but I I didn't necessarily that didn't appeal to me all that much because you're not rooting for Thanos. <laughs> so. But that, those those are pretty much those are pretty much the, the main reasons why. Excited for it. Uh, obviously, we we did that whole social media exclusive episode uh, for uh, in game the, the teaser trailer. If you guys haven't heard it, uh, go find it. Uh, it's out there, uh, just not in your iTunes feed. But um, yeah, uh, I don't know what more I can say about it that I didn't say in that. Uh, I'm I, I'm just excited for it. Uh, I'm a little less excited than I expected to be, but uh, I expect that excitement to dial it up the closer we get to release date, the closer we get to uh, more trailers and, and more content. And I'm hoping that that the rumor that's out there that they may own and this would be real tough for Marvel to do because they've spit a bit on this repeatedly. That the rumors that all the that all the footage we're going to see from the trailers and promotional material and everything else is only going to be from like the first 20 minutes of the movie, hmm. which may not be true based on what we saw already. You know, maybe the stuff with Ronan, maybe that's not in the first 20. I think most people assume the stuff with Tony is from the beginning of the movie, but I don't think that'd be a bad way to go. I think I bet you you could find some really interesting stuff like in the first 20 minutes or or even 30 minutes of the movie if the movie's going to come in anywhere close to three hours even just go in the first half hour you got that's a lot of stuff you know that, that's a lot of the movie that that you're not even touching into or mining at all I don't think that would be a bad idea at this point I'm to to leave some mis- to leave some mystery in this. Um. So my number one, Godzilla King of the Monsters as a shock to nobody. Um. I am thrilled. It's like I said, May thirty first, directed by Michael Dottery, Dottery, uh, starring Millie Bobby Brown. You know what? Fuck it. Starring Godzilla, Rodan, Mothra, and King Ghidra, mother effers. It is going to be sick, and I cannot wait for this film. I am so very very excited i told you guys i've said it over and over and over and over and over again every time we talk about godzilla my dad made it a point to like a point to rent each and every one of the godzilla movies from blockbuster and sit down and watch them with me and i have seen all of them so not only do i have a huge attachment to godzilla as a result of it but I have an attachment to the franchise, to the monsters. I love Rodan. I love Mothra. I love King Ghidra. 
I love them all. And I am so excited to see four of them together on the big screen. That last shot of the trailer that was recently released where Ghidra and Godzilla are running towards each other, I flippin' lost it. I, like, usually when you see Godzilla sometimes, it's like this slow, lumbering kind of guy, you know? He's just doing his thing. He doesn't really run anywhere. But my God, Godzilla got off his butt and started charging at Ghidra, and then Ghidra's, like, three heads were, like, kind of doing a wave thing as he was flying towards him, and just like, I was just like, holy crap, this looks cool. Sure, it's going to be a big CGI mess because the focus is these monsters, but I don't give a shit. (laughs) I'm here for it. I can't wait to see it. The biggest complaint about the Godzilla movie, uh, the last one that came out was, of course, not enough Godzilla. And so much of it happened in the dark, <laughs> you know? I don't know about you guys, but anytime I rewatch that Godzilla movie, like, I gotta be sure I, I, like, I'm in a dark room and the TV is the only light so I can see what's happening <laughs> as clear as I possibly can. Um, and the Godzilla stuff is just, is, is so minute in that film, but you feel his presence. And, and that's sort of why I still really enjoy it. Uh, one of my favorite scenes for that movie is still like, <laughs> When uh, he's going up against uh, uh, going up against one of the creatures in Hawaii at the airport, and that tanker explodes on him, and the entire like the the, the score goes silent as the camera pans up, and Godzilla just you know rears back like he's inhaling, and then roars for the first time, and I'm just like, oh, <laughs> we're here! <laughs> Thank God we're here! <laughs> I'm so excited. This movie, I expect to just be jaw-dropped, just stupid shit-eating grin on my face the entire time. And I'm telling you, I'm uh, guys, I when this movie comes out, I'm going to be 100% honest right here, right now. It could be panned by the critics and panned by the audience. I'm going to walk out trying to defend it anyways because of how excited I am to see the monsters. I don't see think it's going to be, but I'm saying it could be. And if it is, you're going to have to talk me down off of my <laughs> off of off of my pulpit because I will be I will be gripping the tree in a hurricane, just squeezing it to death, refusing to let go. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna have I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to go. Like if I have to resort to illegal downloads, I don't care. I'm gonna have to go find. Some of like the, the my favorite moments when like Rodan or or Mothra appeared or or King Ghidra and just rewatch those films in the lead up to this because I I, I gotta I gotta do it. So we at least so we at least know those four monsters are in this movie. Yes. So uh, we know there are some some rumors or hints that Gamma is in the movie that'd be kind of cool. I wouldn't bet mm-hmm. on it, but but you never know. Uh, or others. Uh, I'm I'm real I am looking forward to it. It I don't I don't have the tie. I mean I've seen a lot. I well I didn't see when they restarted the Godzilla movies like in the 90s and all those Japanese movies. I didn't watch. I have watched almost none of those. But all the but most of the original wave of Godzilla movies. Yeah, I I watched them. I always liked watching them. I think I mentioned before as part of our part of the Thanksgiving or day after. That was a day after technically tradition. 
up here in, on Channel 9. They used to play, uh, on Thanksgiving, they played the King Kong movie. They did King Kong, Son of Kong, Mighty Joe Young, not in that order. But they did those three movies in the afternoon, and then they always played three Godzilla movies on Friday afternoon. Uh, so... I have a fine, I do. I'm looking forward to this. I want to. I like the fact that they, I said this before that they've established Godzilla as a good guy. I like that. I think that's a smarter way to go than making him a bad guy. Uh, it seems like the dynamic in this movie is going to be Godzilla and Mothra versus Rodan, probably and and uh, Ghidorah, unless unless Rodan's like a wild card. Unless Rodan's a wild card, or he starts off shitty and then realizes it's in his best interest. Yeah, I, I'm curious. The human, you know, the human characters are just, if they're good, it's a plus, but that's not what people go in for, you know? It, it's the reality. That's not what people go in, go in to, go in to see this movie for. So who do you, so who do you think the bad guy is going to be in the third one? Destroyer? Cause you, you, cause you have to assume. King it's Kong going to be Godzilla versus Kong. Yeah. It has to be. Right. But, but how do you make Godzilla versus Kong more exciting than this. But that's kind of the point because you know they have to team up because they can't stay bad. They can't stay fight. Like the whole movie can't be King Kong and Godzilla squaring off because they're both good guys. And they're established. I, I hope – now, This do I think this is going to happen? No. But I hope Legendary just goes balls through the wall with it and says, fuck it, here we go. <laughs> I hope it's Godzilla and Kong versus – Mecha Godzilla and Mecha King Ghidra. I would I, I would be okay with that, even though to be the only problem with that, unless Mothra is going to be in there too, the odds are pretty too the odds are going to be too too much against Godzilla and King Kong then. True. Um, uh, that's why I was, but you, but no matter what, you have to think there's going to be one other external threat that is going to bring them together, or there's going to be in kind of an external. Somebody's manipulating things to make them even fight to begin with before things get straightened out. I am, of course, very curious to see how how tall Kong is going to end up being, because that's going to be the big bone of contention. How much Kong has grown since the 1970s in this timeline for him to be to be somewhere in the ballpark where he could actually fight Godzilla. And I know there's been some disagreement on this about. I still think Kong would have the advantage because he's a mammal and he's brighter than Godzilla. Not that this Godzilla is stupid, and not that he would be, but going with the idea that Godzilla is some variation mutation on a dinosaur concept, his brain, you know, Kong's brain should be being a high, being a primate, being a higher, you know, he should be smarter and he should be able to adapt things. He should be able to use tools better. He should be able to do do things like that. And you never know, they may pull something out of there, you know what, to give him a power that, you know, that which would not be the, obviously the first time that we've ever seen that. So, but I am I'm, I'm interested in it and I I hope it's good and I it make I'm nervous about Kong and Godzilla just because I I cuz it's not like you wouldn't want to see it. It's just how they do it. Mm-hmm. And because and then because they're both good guys, so it's got you got to you got to be you got to be tricky with that. At least when they did the original Kong versus Godzilla, Godzilla was still pretty much a bad guy at that time, so it was really easy to make King Kong the good guy. It wasn't even like which which, which let's let's pick the lesser of two evils. Kong has always kind of been, you know, he's kind of always been like this Beauty and the Beast misunderstood kind of character. Where essentially there's no doubt if you just left the damn guy alone, he'd be okay. He wasn't looking for trouble. He was just doing what he needed. He was living on his own. Uh, 
kind of like again the idea that that they even touched upon in you know Kong Skull Island, which was you know the wall really wasn't built built necessarily to keep Kong out by himself. That 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 concept, I don't think that was the first time they ever introduced that concept. That I I, I mean it was fleshed out more, but I, but I like that. So I'm actually gonna I'm I naturally relate more to to Kong, but I do like at least through the first movie this Godzilla. So yeah, I'm I'm a little uncomfortable with them squaring off, and I'd be curious to see what kind of how they how they you know how they resolve. Even though we again we probably everybody thinks they're gonna have to team up at the end to fight someone else or a couple of other things. The question is how how much of a resolution do we get in that fight? Do we do we get a clear cut? Do we get a clear cut winner, or do we get? I mean, because I think we were surprised when like Batman BVS kind of gave us a clear cut winner. Technically, uh, it was it was it was drug induced basically, but <laughs> but there was a clear cut winner. Uh, so I, that's that's so those are pretty much my thoughts. I am looking forward to it. At least everything points to a lot more monster on monster action. All right, so we've been going almost uh, two hours now. So before, since we're going yeah. to quick, a quick question for you related to since Endgame was my last one. Since as we speak, we still have no official Marvel Cinematic Universe movies for next year, other than release dates. Which three do you? Th- what three movies do you think we're getting next year? Black Panther two. Um. Doctor Strange too, and, and we are in go... agreement. We are in agreement on the first on those two. Let's see if we're in agreement on the third. Third uh, is harder. Third is absolutely harder. Third makes me want to 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 just throw out like an uh, one that hasn't been done before. I I what I want to say is Fantastic Four because I'm so excited to see what I'm so excited to see a good Fantastic Four movie. I'm just I, I I really want it. I want it bad, and I want to see I want to see uh, I, I want to see that that uh, that tower in in New York. I want to see it uh, in the background. I want to see the, the David Bugle, and I, I want to see it all. I want to see it all there. But if we're if I'm not going new franchise, It depend. This one depends on how Endgame ends. If Cap dies, I expect to see something involving Bucky or Falcon or both, and then one or one of them taking the mantle. That would be so. That's your prediction for the third. Yeah, it's a tenuous one. Uh, not as I'm not as committed to that one, but uh, but yeah. All right, so look, looking at this, I agree. I think Black Panther is going to be – I'm looking at the release dates. They've, I think Black Panther will be the 5-1 movie, the 5-1 release. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to see when is the actual Marvel. That's interesting because – hold on. Let's see. Untitled, I, you got to weed out the Fox and Marvel stuff because – See, they they have an untitled Sony Sony slash Marvel movie in 2020, which which that kind of is a that's weird. I don't know I don't understand how that could be since definitely not Spider Verse two. They need time. No, and I, and I wouldn't have anything to do with uh, more uh, that. 
I mean, I guess, yeah, I guess maybe the way they list these, it could be... Actually, let me go back. How do they list... Mar- they just said Untitled Marvel Movie. So let me just look for that. Uh, if there are three movies in next year, I, I predict, because I think there's one in November. Yeah, there's one in November. Let's say Doctor Strange is in November, since the original Doctor Strange was in November. And I'm just... I'm going by the box office mojo list, which may not, maybe I should have... But I'm going to say, if there's a third one, a third third Marvel Studios, I'm going to say Black Widow. Only because Black Widow at least has been talked about a little bit more in the past year or so. So I'm gonna, that's the only reason why I'm picking it. Uh, hmm. For that reason, I think. Because they literally have given us nothing to go on. I think it's probably going to be too soon to fit one of the Fox movies in for 2020. Though not impossible. But I think the safest way to bet was exactly certainly Black Panther and Doctor Strange. I was I would take to the bank. They're going to need something big for May. Black Panther is the biggest thing they have that they can count on, based on the in their minds anyway, based on the first movie. So I think Black Panther opens probably Black Panther opens in May. Uh, Doctor Strange probably is going to have a lot more oomph to it because of what happened in Infinity War, uh, and he's already had a movie that's done well. So he'll open in the same time, same month, and if there's another one. During the summer, then I think it'll, it'll, it'll be Black Widow. Hmm. Okay, now now we can move on to the, the rest of our crap. All right, so do we want to do monkey crap, or do we want to do interested in? What do we want to do first? Let's let's do the middle slash interested first. So okay, I'll... so I'm gonna I'm just gonna rapid fire some of these. I'm okay. gonna throw in a I'm gonna throw in a couple of commentaries with each one. Uh, so Brightburn, you familiar with Brightburn? Yeah, you told me about it. Yes. Okay, so Brightburn, for those of you who don't know, out on May 29th, uh, starring Elizabeth Banks and David Denman. Brightburn is a film. Here's the premise. An alien young boy crashes to Earth in middle America on a farmland. A childless couple finds and raises this alien boy. This alien has powers. But it's a horror movie. It's Superman with a horror twist. And that premise alone makes me want to see it. Uh, This is a James Gunn film. Um, uh, Now... Did he direct it or did he produce it? Produce, I think, because I've got the directed by uh, David Yarovesky. Yeah, that's the only Um, reason why I mentioned it, because I was pretty sure he was just a producer on it. uh, Yeah, okay, so... Another one I've got on my list here is Shaft, out on June 14th, directed by Tim Story, starring Samuel L. Jackson, Luna Lauren Velez, and Method Man. Um, I never, I'll be honest with you, I never saw the original Shaft. Uh, I got no attachments to the franchise, the, uh, the, the system in any way, shape, or form, uh, but... I am excited nonetheless. I can't I could not possibly tell you why. Doesn't matter. It's supposed to be um, like a Shaft family reunion almost like the whole Shaft family, isn't it? I think the premise the premise of this movie is I think is like a whole bunch of whole bunch of shafts. <laughs> I I think so. Uh so my another one I'm excited about, The Irishman. No official release date as of the time I constructed this list, but Directed by Martin Scorsese, starring Joe Pesci, Robert De Niro, and Al Pacino. 
The Irishman, uh, the premise from Wikipedia, Frank Sheeran, a labor union official with mob connections, recalls his involvement in the slaying of Jimmy Hoffa, an American labor union leader. So it's a story about Jimmy Hoffa. It's directed by Martin Scorsese, and it's got those three, three dudes in it. I'm excited. Um, Are You Afraid of the Dark? Uh, October 11th, directed by DJ Caruso, no casting. It's supposed to be super faithful to the original. Uh, the, 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 this DJ guy, there's been a, look it up. I'm not going to read them. Some articles have came out online with, uh, some interviews with him. He's talking about how, like, when, like, Tales of the Crypt and all this stuff come, came out, these were, and, and Are You Afraid of the Dark and Goosebumps and all these things. These were stories designed to scare and scare kids because we believed at the time it's fine to have some safe fear, to have uh, that exposure as, as children. And I agree with him. And I love the crap out of those shows and stuff like that for it. So I'm excited to see what he does with Are You Afraid of the Dark? An animated film, Claws, K-L-A-U-S, out in 2019, at some point, directed by Sergio Pablos, starring the voice actor Rashida Jones, J.K. Simmons, Joan Cusack, and a few others. There's a short slash trailer somewhere online. It's this dude, uh, this postman, going to this isolated town and introducing the concept of the postal service. And then he stumbles upon this one... Huge man with a white beard, and uh, it's, it's—I guess—it's the story of, of Santa Claus, but done in this comedy, weird, <laughs> more realistic bit. I don't know. It looks cool. I'm excited to see it. Two ones. Uh, one, uh, Mark, you're gonna have to help me. If you don't, uh, if you don't care about it, that's fine. Let me know. I heard about something called Star Wars Shrouded Destiny which is a fan-made thing that some dude is trying to kickstart to get produced just so he can take it to Disney uh, and say, can I do this? I have heard, um, a, little, I've heard a little bit about it. Uh, I'm sure that's... I don't see how that could ever work, but... <laughs> me neither. That's why I'm only giving it this much time. Um... The other film, out May 24th, it's called Ad Astra. This one is directed by James Gray, starring Brad Pitt, Tommy Lee Jones, and Donald Sutherland. A man journeys across a lawless solar system to find his missing father, a renegade scientist who poses a threat to humanity. I just wanted to... I just wanted to... I was curious by the premise, curious by the cast. wanted to see how that worked out. So that's my interested in list. All right, let me roll through what's left on my in- and mind you, interested is really that I, I just I would prefer in mind to call it the middle of the road list. These are movies that I have a mild interest in, but not much. Uh, basically, these are the things in between what I want really want to see and what I hate. <laughs> uh, Alita: Battle Angel, no real interest in it. It looks weird. I know it's supposed to look weird based on the the source material. Don't think it's going to do well. Uh, Pet Cemetery, it looks okay. I kind of like the original. I don't really think there's a need for a remake, but at least there's a little bit of it. I would consider seeing that one. 
John Wick 3 is on the list, it would be higher, except like a lot of things on this list, I never saw John Wick 1 and 2. <laughs> so I can, it will look interesting because it's it's uh, Keanu Reeves and it's blowing a lot of shit up. But since I haven't seen the other two, I'm probably never going to see it in the theater. Men in Black International, trailer didn't do that much for me, even with Tessa Thompson and, and uh, Hemsworth together again. So it's a possible, but not likely. Lion King is on this list too. That to me, this is the best of their live action, quote unquote. We know, not real life, but pseudo live action movies coming out this year. Dora the Explorer, I would never see it, but I do like Isabella Monaire. Uh She's cute. She's been in a few things, including the last Transformers movie, not Bumblebee, of course. That was the other cute one. That was Haley Seinfeld, but uh, the last night. Uh, Angel Has Fallen, which I will probably never see either in the movies, but I have seen, but between the movies and, and Netflix, I have seen uh, Olympus Has Fallen and London Has Fallen, and this is the third one in that uh, Gerard Butler trilogy. So that has, a little, that has a little bit of appeal to me, just even though it probably has uh, streaming written all over it. It Chapter 2, never saw Chapter 1, so it has a minor interest. Frozen 2, never saw Frozen 1. The Jumanji sequel to The Rock's uh, sequel. So basically the third Jumanji movie. Never never got a chance to see that one yet. So, And Aladdin. I moved Aladdin over to la- that list. So that just leaves me with the, mon- with the, mon- the monkey crap list. Uh, all right. So my monkey crap list. Three, five, ten pounds of monkey yeah. crap. There's only four things. Joker. October 4th. Directed by Todd Phillips. Starring Joaquin Phoenix and Robert De Niro. Look, I'm not excited by what I'm seeing, but I'm curious by the concept. I'll probably end up going to see it just out of pure curiosity. Dark Phoenix, out June 7th, uh, directed by Simon Kinberg, starring Jennifer Lawrence, James McAvoy, Sophie Turner, Michael Fassbender. I'm done. I'm done with the Fox X-Men franchise. I don't care anymore. Uh, this just seems like, all right, let's, we did this. Uh, Disney's got the right rights now, but let's get this out. Um, that doesn't really give me a good feeling. I have no particular attachment to the Dark Phoenix storyline. Um, so it's not like I'm, you know, going to, if I do see it, uh, which is likely I will, but if I do see it, it's not like I'm going to be like, oh, they shit all over the original story because I haven't read it. I'm familiar with it, but I haven't read it. Um, but at this point, I'm just like, all right, Disney, Disney and Marvel Studios has has the has the range now. Let's see that Fantastic Four movie with freaking Galactus or Fin Fan Foom or some shit. Sh- just go crazy with it. I want to see it. I want to see X Men. Uh, let's see him in this universe. Uh, let's let's hurry up and get to Avengers versus X Men. Like I just uh, I want it to happen. So I just I don't care anymore. And two that are on the monkey crap list that might surprise some people. Toy Story 4 and Lego Movie 2. Uh, Toy Story 4, June 21st. Lego Movie 2, February 8th. I, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of done with the Toy Story franchise, in a way. Like, am I excited that there's going to be another Toy Story movie? Sure. But when they announced it, I wasn't like, oh my god, yay, Toy Story's back. I just, I was sort of done. I just, I don't really... I'll probably go see it. I might get a little bit more excited for it as we get closer, but I just don't care at this point. Um, and Lego Movie 2, I enjoyed Lego Movie. I really did. And I enjoyed the Lego Batman movie. But when the trailer came out for Lego Movie 2, 
it just didn't do anything for me. I was like, okay, we're getting another Lego movie. I'm probably most likely going to go see it. But what I saw didn't excite me. The most excited I got watching that trailer is when Emmett was like, all right, we got to go into space to save Wildstyle. And then the Beastie Boys Intergalactic song picked on, kicked on. I was like, ah, good song choice. <laughs> that makes sense with what you're doing here. I, I see it. And then the other thing that got me excited in any way, shape, or form was just the joke about, you know, I'm a spaceman with trains raptors and blah, blah. Like, that was kind of cool. But beyond that, I was just like, I wasn't really wowed by that trailer. So that's my monkey crap list. Uh, be- before I jumping into mine before jumping into the crap uh according to this is where i saw it according to the newsarama list of uh 2020 re- release dates 731 is the release date that is the mystery release date that we're trying to fill for marvel 731 mm. so that's where i will say for me for me black widow um all right so for the, for the monkey crap list uh Seems like an almost getting to become an annual tradition these days, as much as I kind of like some of his movies, that you have to have a Liam Neeson movie on this list. So I have Cold Pursuit, which is still a stupid title, even though it's a play, obviously, on Hot Pursuit. But it's much better than the original title, Hard Powder. <laughs> which is basically taken with a snowplow. That's the best way to look at it. <laughs> the movie conceptually looked moronic from the, from the inception, from... Calling it hard powder was moronic. I'll give them credit for whoever decided, hey, this is a really stupid title. we got to walk it back. And at least there is, like I said, there's a little bit of the cute play on Hot Pursuit, Cold Pursuit. I I think it's going to be horrible. I think it's going to suck. Uh, I actually think I did I think I did see a trailer for it, and it it's it's just nothing for me. Uh, I have, much like on your list, I have Dark Phoenix. Uh, I have Toy Story 4. Again, honestly, I've never seen any of the Toy Stories, so it makes it easier for me to put it on the list. If Dark Phoenix gets released, it is so pointless at this point because that universe doesn't... Even if that universe was supposed to continue and exist when they made that movie, we know it's not going to. New Mutants, have that on the list too. Whether that ever sees the light of day, at least in theaters, highly debatable. I had completely forgotten about Lego Movie 2, by the way. And I think the problem with Lego Movie 2, too big a gap between this and the first movie. I think I think too much. A lot of I think they really doesn't mean it can't work, but they really push the envelope by having a big gap between those. Is, is, yeah, isn't that like isn't that like six years? Wasn't like something like I that. I think it was twenty. I think it was twenty thirteen. Uh, off the top of my head, without looking, uh, I forgot about Joker too. I funny when we started doing the episode, I, I I started remembering that I didn't put Joker on any list, but I put it on the monkey crap list because yeah, I think it would be. Um, I have Dumbo. Just because Dumbo's one of those movies that, which is par for the course with classic Disney movies, that it's sad, and I don't know if seeing that on, it's bad enough seeing it animated, seeing it live, quote unquote live. I don't know if I want to deal with that. Plus, I got to be honest with you, when it comes to Tim Burton, besides the fact that Tim Burton can be hit or miss, I'm really starting to have an issue when, when with directors who always cast the same damn people over and over and over again. And I'm sick of Danny DeVito being in his movies. I like I, I can give him a pass with Michael Keaton because Michael Keaton's not in all of his movies, and Michael Keaton's been in some good ones. So I, but that just to me that's kind of a natural turnoff where you automatically start looking for the common threads and 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 uh and 
I guess it depends. If it's the same genre like Scorsese and you know with De Niro and Pesci you know, or other people, I it's I can that's that's a little different. When it's always no matter what kind of movie we're doing, we're gonna be I'm gonna be shoehorning these actors in, or they're gonna make for, or they're gonna guilt me into shoehorning them in. Eh. Uh, Hellboy. No interest to see Hellboy. I I I I was not a big fan of the original two movies all that much. I did not buy him. What's his face from Stranger Things in this role, but David Harbour. Yeah, every every time that image pops up, uh, there's always that meme attached to it of uh, what's his name Ron from Pro- Anchorman going. Yeah, yeah, no, what's his name from Anchorman going? You're not Ron. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, yeah, I I don't get it. I I I don't quite see why he was the he was the good choice and. Maybe it's a little more uh, palatable to me now because if you go back and it was at least in season two with Stranger Things, you know Hopper was less of a dick. Still, kind of was, but certainly they walked they walked back his character a lot compared to in the first season when there was really nothing likable about him at all. So kind of seeing that role propel somebody, uh, I yeah. So to, so as so as far as far as I'm concerned, I really don't have a great desire to see Hellboy, and I think. As far as that's pretty much all I had on my on my list. I've got another list as I always do with these, but only the, this is uh, because you know we're the Lantern cast and I, we're DC fans. Did want to throw this out. Uh, these two, I'm just going to get out of get get out of the way because I think they're fan made stuff. Who knows if they're going to happen? Uh, I see a Young Justice uh, fan film about um, Static Shock, I believe, coming out. Uh, starring Dan Gregory, Beza Newman, uh, sometime in 2019. Mark, do you want to know what the the title of the story is? Do I want to know? Yes. Sure. Young Justice Future Shock. Oh, cute. Yeah. Will it have anything to do with the Green Lantern Future Shock story? Probably not. But, (laughs) But there you go. Uh, who knows if it's going to happen? Uh, I don't know what it is or what's happening with it. There's no, again, all I have is 2019. It specifically says fan made. I don't know. Something else, Silver Surfer Prodigal Son. It's got an actual release date of December 12, 2019. I'm on IMDb. It says a, the scientist Norrin Rad is transformed into this silver being who flies around on a surfboard. He decides to accept the responsibility of having to protect the planet Earth after learning that he has actually been tricked. And helping the giant alien Galactus search for planets to feed on. Uh, that sounds like a Silver Surfer story to me. I don't know what it is. I don't know what's happening. Someone look it up. Uh, but the three things we can be sure of as DC fans uh, coming out, they will. these uh, animated movies will be hitting 2019. Uh, so, first up, April 19th, Batman Hush. Uh, August 6th, Justice League versus the Fatal Five. And October 22nd, Wonder Woman Bloodlines. So those are the three DC uh, animated films coming out in 2019. Uh, interesting, too, because the first one of 2019 will be hitting in uh, by next weekend uh, or by, by this weekend. This coming weekend, um, 
because last year ended uh, the DC animated releases with the death of Superman, uh, which I saw, enjoyed-ish. Uh, I think a lot of more people enjoyed it more than me. But they're going to be, they turn that into a quote unquote double feature the same way Dark Knight, uh, returns one, part one and part two. They're doing the death of Superman at the end of 2018 and the beginning of 2019, this coming weekend, the reign of the Superman, uh, will be hitting. I'll actually be seeing it in theaters as part of a double feature with a de- the death of Superman, um, on Sunday. Um, there was a, contest let's call it more of a giveaway um where they uh were giving out tickets to this fathom events uh event double feature to see the two uh back to back and i got an email the other day with two free tickets to go see it um so i'll be mid-afternoon on sunday sitting down to watch these two back to back uh in the theater i i'll be very interested to see it this will be the first time uh, I'll have ever seen a DC animated feature on the big screen. Then um, this is not the first time this has happened. They did this uh, a, a preview release prior to the digital release um, with uh, I think Killing Joke was one of them they did. Yes. Um, so yeah, I think the uh, the digital release doesn't happen until the fifteenth, and the Blu-ray DVD doesn't happen until the 29th, But I'll be seeing these on the uh, on the thirteenth. The reign of some Superman. <laughs> well, they're not well, the, they're not the will be there. They're not the Superman, but they are some Superman. <laughs> all four of them will be there. Yeah. Steel, Superboy, it'll the Eradicator, be a, it'll be a variation and Cyborg. Of the theme. <laughs> uh, I wasn't as big of a fan as the Death of Superman animated film. I mean, I I, I enjoyed it, but I, I didn't come away really like thrilled about it. But a lot of people really did enjoy it, so uh, I'm excited to see it. Because if I when I see it in the theater, I'll be seeing it again for the I'll be seeing it for the second time because uh, I've only seen it once, and then I'll be seeing it immediately following it with the the after context of Reign of the Superman. So I'll be interested to see if my opinion changes. Yeah, that is always interesting. So double feature double features are valuable because usually you can tell right away you can tell the difference between. The first movie and the second, and and how you 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 see how they mesh together, and or you can see the failings usually of like the sequel. Uh, I remember that's how I felt when I when Avengers was a you know it was Avengers and uh, Ultron. Seeing them back to back to me made it clear that Ultron was not nearly as good a movie, and seeing hmm. Guardians one and two was the same way. I appreciate Guardians two a little bit more now since I watched it at have watched it ad nauseum probably like 40 friggin' times on Netflix. But when I saw the double feature when they came out, I, it clearly was not as good as the first. So I think, I think yeah. it, it, I think it, it does put, it does put context. That's why I'm kind of hoping that whether it's a, just a regular event or a fan event, I'm hoping they do a, at least do an Avengers infinity war end game double feature, which will be friggin' long. Nice. Which will be damn long, oh, yeah. especially if the th- if we already we already know Infinity War was long. So if, if Endgame ends up pushing the envelope and knocking on the door at three, even if it's not a full three hours, that's going to be a long double feature. But but hey, it would be worth it. Oh, and Lego the Lego Movie was 2014, so it'll be, so it'll be hmm. five years. It'll be five years. Still a pretty good long time. Uh, for a sequel. yeah, but I think they are. I think they actually are doing. Aren't they doing tri- as as much as they can? Aren't they doing traditional stop motion for those? Well, the Lego movies? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
and it's and it's not like and it's not like they haven't released other movies since. I mean, they've had you know, they've had the Lego Batman movie, they've had the Ninjago movie, so they have right. they've have come out with other Lego movies. It just seems like since the Lego movie was the big one that got the ball rolling, it kind of seems like that's kind of odd that that got pushed so far back from a sequel mm-hmm. perspective that you're waiting five years to. I mean, I I can see it. I mean, Batman, you know, Batman would be you think would be viable and it did but you know Lego movie I think would technically made more money than, than, than the Lego Batman movie did so you would think that they would have that would have been at least the next one on the list you know but then again right. then again Ninjago and, and Batman came out in the same year so those obviously were were in production at essentially at the same time so alright well before we close I uh, just wanted to let you guys know it is 2019. This is our first episode of 2019. In case you didn't know, that that is my announcement. That's it. <laughs> no, uh, Mark and I actually had a meeting last week. A come to Jesus meeting. I'm firing him. I'm just oh, here we He's go. Oh me. God. He's here, firing. Here me. we go. Here we go again. Oh God. <laughs> yeah. Lucy, what happened? Based on that conversation we had, yeah, now, it was like is, I got to do the joke. <laughs> that was that was the off the air conversation, right? We really should have had it. On, we, yeah. we should have recorded that conversation for. for us. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, but anyways, uh, this is an equal partnership. Mommy and daddy have equal <laughs> sex. Uh, oh but anyway, keep that robe. Uh, keep that robe on, Chad, please. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, we we had a talk, uh, and we were talking about the future of the show this year, topics, so on and so forth. I think. It, I mean, uh, I, I have no problem telling anybody uh, anything we what we say, but I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to take that initiative or anything. So, whatever you want to say is fine. Uh, I'm with you, but just if we're if we're gonna keep it down to brass tacks, then I'm just excited for what we got t- coming in 2019. We certainly have a decent amount of options, that's for sure. We, we, which I will type up, by the way. I just haven't spent okay. a lot of time uh, doing much on the on this computer since since. Pretty much since the end of the, the break, I just haven't really. My heart hasn't been in it yet. So probably this weekend I'll I'll do the best to at least make a make a master list of the th- things we talked about. But yeah, if we have a there's a there's a large variety of potential topics, things and more than just potential things that are you know probably at least seventy percent ago across that we'll get to and things that we might get to. So we have a bunch of topics and obviously there's always there's a whole lot of wild cards because. We, Potentially, we shouldn't say that there are. There might be some wild cards based on what gets released, and you know, we didn't, we actually, I don't, we didn't even discuss a Doomsday Clock episode, did we? No, no. Um, which we, which we, which, be wrapping up December. <laughs> you're right. I can, we could do that. We could do that for our next next year's Christmas episode. It could be our, it could be our abridged version of the the Doomsday Clock recap. It was a waste of time. Uh, but that. But something like that, and depending on what other events they get announced and things like that, and yeah, and some movie episodes. Maybe we'll get surprised, and there'll be a topic that a movie that we both ended up wanting to see or just saw, and we really liked, and we weren't weren't expecting to see it or like it, and we did. So there's always wild cards and other, but we do have a. We're not, I'm not going to go into specifics, so I think it's easy. It's better not to at this point, especially since we don't really have a 100. We certainly don't have any kind of uh, rigid time frame about what's coming next, other than the fact that probably the, the Green Lantern review will be the next episode after this one. <laughs> <laughs> we 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 basically did sit down though. We decided uh, these are the things, topics we want to discuss, so that 
when we don't have something current to discuss, when we're like, all right, when we get in a situation where we're like, okay, what is the next episode? We'll already have a list to go, okay, this is the next one up that we said we wanted to do. So that we don't have to spend all this time hemming and hawing over, eh, do we want to do this one or this one? Or We already have a list we've all agreed upon that we wanted to do. Uh, it's just a matter of putting them in order so that, you know, once we're, we're out of topics or out of current stuff to do, we can just go, all right, this is the next one. So, uh, But I think it's safe to say now that uh, the announcement's been made um, over on, on social media and stuff, the, uh, the spinoff that is coming in 2019 has it's got a twitter page it's got album art it's got a website and it's got a name um so the i I, we talked about it in the 10th anniversary where i'll be uh interviewing creators because i am uh uh not sick that's the that's the wrong word i am um sometimes frustrated at limiting myself to creators who have worked only on green lantern so when I go to a Comic-Con, I meet all these really cool people, but uh, I have to like go, okay, were you like an inker on like one Green Lantern issue in the 80s? Okay, great. I have an excuse to talk to you. Um, I, I, I don't like doing that. Um, and, you know, I've kind of gotten away here and there with talking to people uh, who have nothing to do with Green Lantern. Um, but uh, I tried to keep that as brief as possible so that we stayed on topic with the Lantern cast. Well, the spinoff where I interview... Any creator of any ilk from any franchise from any publisher is coming in 2019, and that podcast is called Creative Credit. So that will be happening in 2019. It's got its own um, Twitter uh, now. It's got its own page. And as a result, it will also have its own feed. But if you're already subscribed to the Lantern Cast feed, Creative Credit will be appearing in that as well. So, no official release date yet, because uh, but it will happen in 2019. I am already talking with certain creators, but I don't want to give you guys a release date until I have content actually available and ready to be edited. <laughs> so, it'll probably come out before New Mutants. That, that, that's about as much as we'll give you. I think that's a safe bet. Before New Mutants comes out or gets seen by mass numbers of people, that there'll be some material released. <laughs> and if not, Chad, shame, shame on you, Chad. <laughs> um, and uh, as a result, uh, this is a promise I'm going to make. And uh, listeners, you can hold, it to, hold me to it. Mark, you can hold me to it. By the end of 2019, we will have finished the Denny O'Neill, Neil Adams run of Green Lantern, Green Arrow for the Green Lantern, Green Arrow show. The show itself won't be done, but it'll be at a stopping point to where I can put it uh, comfortably on a little bit more of a hiatus to come back when I'm more comfortable and ready to do that material. So, but I, I will get to the end of the Denny O'Neill and Neil Adams collaborative run on Green Lantern, Green Arrow by the end of 2019. So, there you go. You heard it here first. (laughs) (laughs) And last. Uh, Oh, man. 
Alright, uh, anything else we should do other than the closing? I think that's what we should be doing is the closing. <laughs> we had like a two, All right, hour, let's do two the hour episode to start the season. Uh, yeah, se- season number uh, 11. <laughs> Alright, lanterncast at gmail.com. Uh, website is lanterncast.com. Voicemail is 708 Lantern. Follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook. You can use hashtag GLCast to locate us on either of those. iTunes and Stitcher. That's the best place at the moment, I think, to listen to us besides our website for the new episodes. And if, please leave us a positive review in whichever platform you listen to us on. All right. Next episode, The Green Lantern number three. That comes out. Comes out this week. All right, comes out tomorrow based on recording time, correct? That's uh, that is correct. It does come out tomorrow. So grab your issues and get ready for next Friday, folks, because we will be reviewing the Green Lantern number three by Grant Morrison and Liam Sharp. Woo! Good night, everybody. Good night.